Welcome to the 190th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on July 21st, 2020. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com. And 33.3% of this show with me, another third, Carlos Rodella. How you doing, Carlos? What, 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 what's up? And listeners, as you may have guessed, since the uh, percentage is a little bit different today, we are joined by our sometimes here, sometimes not final third, Corey Motley. How you doing, Corey? Hello, everybody. I feel like a guest star on a soap opera or something, and it's good to be back. It's going to be nothing but high drama tonight, folks. We are very excited to welcome uh, Wayward Son Corey back to the podcast. <laughs> Meeting of the Minds, everyone back in their favorite chair. This is going to be great. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Uh, before we get started, uh, I don't have any housekeeping. Do either one of you guys have any housekeeping? I have one thing, and I'll try to go through it quickly, um, if you'll indulge me. I mean, always. Uh, so there's this great thing that uh, goes on the internet, and sometimes it's on YouTube. Or wait, it's always on YouTube. It's called Day of the Devs. Have you heard of this? Uh, Whoa. I, think I saw porn that goes by. No, that's something no, different. No, no. I knew no, it was a no when you started going, uh. <laughs> so um, uh, Summer Game Fest is also something that happens. It's really great that Jeff Keeley's doing. Uh, but Day of the Devs is put on also by Double Fine. And so lots of times the Summer Game Fest YouTube channel will show it. And that was what happened this week. And I just wanted to run down some games, just names of them, uh, that people should check out and kind of like look at the trailers for. Because there was a lot of great indie games. Uh, so if you'll indulge me, I just want to give out a few of those names. Yeah, absolutely. Corey, any objections? I have zero objections. All right, let's roll. Let's do it. It, it would have turned into more of that drama you were like uh, alluding to if you did have an objection. <laughs> I should have objected, but I'm not that smart on the spot. You could have just yelled, objection. Like in Phoenix, right? That's yes, exactly. Right. exactly. A little callback. <laughs> so no objection, but uh, here's a couple games you guys all should check out and Gail's check out. Everybody check out. Uh, Ghost Runner has like Shadow Warrior vibes, and you know how much, Brad, I love Shadow Warrior. I do. Uh, so check out Ghost Runner. Uh, Airport for Aliens, currently run by dogs. Oh, You know, I keep hearing about this one, and I haven't checked it out, but I've heard about it many times. It's it's just a comedy game, and I think it's... We, we might have talked about this before, but it's hard to do a game with, like, really funny lines and good comedy. And one of my friends, a good friend, um, Robbie, is working on... He did Ape MMO, which is an incredible, um, funny, weird MMO, but now he's working on a new game called Dragon Audit. And I thought of him when I saw this game because it's just, like, ridiculous. It's all about the jokes. Um, it's, like, you know, crude graphics. You basically walk around and talk to a bunch of dogs, and all the dogs are just stock photos of dogs. <laughs> so it's just about the text being funny or not. Um, it's so fuck. It's weird and cool. So check out that. Um, also, Unto the End, it's made by uh, a couple, and it's, like, this little melee guy. And it's like all 2D uh, side-scrolling, like melee game, which looks amazing. So unto the end, uh, and then just two more. The developers behind uh, Hohokum, which you guys remember that game, right? Yeah, yeah, Hohokum, sure, sure, yeah. Um, they make it, they're making a new game, and it's called I Am Dead. And you basically go around this really weird abstract world. Think um, Donut County, that kind of graphics. Um, and you basically are. A, 
you're dead, and so is your dog for some reason, and you're both That's, trying. To... That must have been a terrible accident. That sucks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, and your dog talks in the afterlife, but that's another thing. So basically, the game mechanics is you just go and like look around the village and like like look into things, like literally cut away, like look into a dresser drawer and find what's inside, look in a house and see who's in there, and you're trying. Is to, this like... put out by Annapurna? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I just saw the trailer for this. Yeah, what you're saying is like you get little x-ray views of things and that's how you find things. I didn't understand it when people were telling me about it, but when I watched the trailer, I was I did one of those like, oh, and it totally like, it's one of those, you can't explain it, but when you, you see it, it makes perfect sense. You can't. It's so cool, though. Like, I've never seen a game do that. So, I Am Dead, and the last one, and you can just like, all the trailers for these are all up, so just go check them out, is uh, Dreamscaper, because it's kind of like a Diablo-esque combat game, top-down three quarters view but you're going through dreams so i'm in like you'd have to say any more of that did you see all of these on uh i assume they're all pc only or do they do they are they multi-platform where is day of the devs focused on yeah no day of devs is just you know whatever platform they can put it out on okay if you think about it not to get too in the weeds but me and my friends and other people who are like indie devs just make like crappy little weird games um maybe not crappy they, uh, you know, quick little games. We want them on every platform, you know. It's just down to what you can accomplish. Right, right. Okay, cool. Day of the Devs. I guess there's probably some stuff on YouTube, I'd imagine. Maybe go to Double Fine site, perhaps. I'm glad that you brought this up, Carlos, because you actually just reminded me uh, last night. So we are recording on July 21st, like I said. Last night, um, somebody tipped me off on Twitter that the Xbox, I don't even know what they even call it. Like, it's not the summer event or, you know, whatever whatever their summer event is this year is starting right now. And last night on Xbox One, they dropped, I think it's like 60 different demos of upcoming games. And you can just download them all. Last uh, night they did see, that? Yeah, literally last night. So somebody told me, and I, I jumped on to Xbox. And I was like, oh my god, there's like a jillion demos. I started downloading like a ton of stuff. I filled up like half my hard drive with demos. Uh, but there's all sorts of indie stuff. There's bigger stuff. There's tiny stuff. Uh, stuff that I'm some of it I was actually already looking forward to. Some stuff I was really excited about. A lot of stuff I hadn't heard of. So if you have an Xbox One, this is the perfect time. Jump into the store. Go to the demos tab, and there's a bunch of stuff that just came last night. Lots of stuff to look at there. That's I was actually going to tell you about it. It's called the Xbox Showcase. Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah, okay. Okay. and it's actually going to be live a live event on YouTube. Um, on the 23rd, which means if you're listening to this, maybe on the 22nd, let's say it's probably the next day. Um, and if you are, if you listen to it later, you know, it's on YouTube. So yeah, it's called the Xbox, uh, game showcase. And they're probably going to be showing a lot more of those like on a, on a video. You know, speaking of which, actually you reminded me again. Thank you, Carlos. You are my mental notepad here. Uh, before we move on to my related thing, Corey, do you have any indies or demos that you didn't plan on talking about that you want to talk about now? Mm, no. <laughs> that was a question mark so, in there, though. Maybe. We totally sprung this on you. This is like unplanned and just like out of the blue. So no problem. Research some indies while I keep talking, and we're going to come back to you in a minute. Actually, no, we won't. It's fine. Um, since we're talking about Xbox, I just want to mention real quickly to everyone, if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably not deaf, but I am going to be on the Xbox Showcase this Thursday. So when that comes up, I'm one of the interpreters who is doing sign language for the show. Oh. So if you look into the feed for that, I am that little person in the corner who's flapping their arms around. It's me and my good uh, partner, Mary, who did that show. Uh, it's already pre-recorded and it's set to go. And I know every game that's going to be on the show. I know all the reveals already because I was there, but I can't talk right. about it now. Oh, so but it happened. So they're going to sh- happen already. It. Yeah. 
But you can uh, check me out this Thursday. I'm sure the show will be out by then. And if you want to see uh, yours truly in action, you can uh, jump over to the Xbox YouTube channel and see me there. So two things before we leave that. One, you're like a star. Okay, that's a big... Ah, come oh, on. come on. Come no. On. no. Come on. People are going to be like, hey, you remember that person in the corner? Yeah, that was that was the guy Brad Galloway. Secondly... Like, oh, my God. He looks like an ass. What oh is my he God. doing? He's moving his hands. <laughs> yeah, I know. There, there might be a meme about you. That's what I was really gonna, trying to say. You might become meme famous. I mean, that would be great. I would love to get one that's as big as that guy that blinks. What is that guy's name? Drew something or whatever? I don't know. You know that little, the, the little incredulous, winky, like, dead face that he does? Maybe. It's a visual thing. Uh, the second thing I was going to say is that means you could literally break, like, do breaking news and, like, tell us some of the games right now. Oh, my God. They would kill me so fucking hard <laughs> if I fucking said anything about it. Oh, it's like before right. I left the studio, they were like, you know, a couple of big guys in suits. Then they were like, you know, hey, so just again. <laughs> they did, There was no big guys in suits. <laughs> I know that for a fact. There's no, no, no big guys. They were, but they were very insistent. And I'm like, yes, I get paid. Like like <laughs> prostitutes and hitmen, I get paid to keep secrets. Your secret is safe with me. It's fine. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right, Corey, any last uh, – did we jog anything loose? Any housekeeping that you would like to share? Um, I don't think I have any housekeeping per se. I feel like I came pretty pretty prepared for what I want to talk about this week, and that's it. Laser all focus. right, well, let's get to it. If you are prepared, I think we're probably prepared. Carlos, are you ready to uh, tag Corey in? Yeah, okay. Let's go. <laughs> why, why not, right? What, yeah. He came all this way. We might as well. Okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> all right. Thanks, folks. Thanks for sitting through our opening uh, show bullshit. Let's get down to it. Let's get to what you game for. The games chat. Uh, Corey, since you are the returning, I don't want to call you a guest because you're not a guest, but since it's been a long time since you've been on the show, let's talk to you first. You have actually two really super games to talk about. <laughs> so super. You have Super Liminal, and you have Super Hot. Which one would you like to talk about first? Um, let's talk about Super Hot first. All right. Super Hot, Mind Control Delete, just dropped from those guys. I think they were called Super Hot Team, I believe, uh, the developers. They've been working on this one for in early access for like forever, a while. Forever, apparently. Yeah, forever. It's out on Steam. It's out on Xbox One. I don't know if it's on any other platform, but... It's out now, and uh, tell us all about it, Corey. Well, well, um, <clears throat> I feel like my love for Superhot has been well-documented on the podcast and on the Game Critics podcast, as a matter of Literally fact. Literally documented. Yeah, and in writing in multiple places, I'm sure. Um, the first year I did the Game of the Year show for the Game Critics podcast, that was my Game of the Year, and that was the show's Game of the Year, so... I felt really proud because um, obviously if I hadn't been invited on that show, that game would have never become Game Critics Game of the Year. So You made a difference, Corey. You made yeah, a difference. So well played on that one. Um, but Superhot, just as a primer, if you don't know what it is by now, um, it is a first... It, on the surface, it looks like a first-person shooter. It looks very VR. Everything in the map is white it's very pristine looking like you're in areas like you're in like a subway or like an arcade or a casino but everything in it is like black and white stylized in a really nice way and the whole point of the game is to shoot these kind of like red polygonal like bot looking figures that come after you there and they're humanoid shaped um you know two arms two legs a head and the kicker is that 
the kind of tagline for the game is that time only moves when you move, which actually is not true because time moves even when you're standing still. But I think that that wouldn't be a very good tagline for the game. So obviously (laughs) time only moves when you move. So the idea is that you like very slowly, I mean, you can play it fast if you want, but you'll probably die a lot more. You just kind of slowly work your way around the environment the bots might shoot at you, or they might throw things at you, or they might swing, like, melee weapons at you. But because you're moving slowly, like, as you move, the action sort of unfolds, and it becomes not so much of a shooter, but a puzzle game. Like, it's wearing sort of the coat of a shooter, but it's really deep down in its heart, it is a puzzle game, which is what I love, similar to Hitman, which is why I love Hitman, because it looks like a third-person shooter, but it's actually a really robust puzzle game, and they released that... In 2016, and then they released Super Hot VR a couple years later. Um, I used to have access to VR, and Super Hot VR is like my killer app for VR. It's like so much fun. I think it's wonderful. Like it, it almost seems like it was like tailor made to be VR, but they somehow just made the console version first. Mm. And and now they have Super Hot Mind Control Delete, which is like it's been in early access on Steam for fucking ever. Um, and I keep thinking about buying it, but it, it was always, I don't know, like $20 or something. And I'm not really an early access kind of person because you don't really know like what you're getting when you buy early access. Like, is the game 20% finished? Is it 70% finished? Like, yeah. so I'd rather just wait for it to come out. And I kind of like never thought it was actually going to come out. And then lo and behold, they officially released it last Friday, I believe. Um, and I was lucky enough to play it about a week in advance. Um and it's basically just like more super hot, which uh, at first I was like really excited about because I hadn't played like a fresh version of super hot in years because I've played the original super hot probably like maybe like six or seven times. I mean, it's only like an hour and a half long, so it's not very long. I've played the VR version probably like the same amount of times, maybe like six or seven times. That one's also about two hours long. And so in my mind, I was like, awesome, it's fresh, super hot, it's more, you know, it's probably, I don't know what, I don't know what it's going to be. Is it going to be all arcade? Is it going to be a story? Is it going to be, I just wasn't sure. But it's literally just like this arcade roguelite version of super hot that doesn't really have a story. And Mm. the game, because super hot's very tongue in cheek, like it's very upfront about how it's like oh like like literally when you boot up the game the title screen instead of it saying like super hot press start you know or whatever it just says the word more on the screen and you press it and it's more super hot more 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 is like kind of the whole thing about the game and it kind of unfolds in this way where you're looking at um kind of like the you know the crtv type uh like retro monitor and there's like these branching nodes on the screen and you kind of click through them and whenever you click on a node it takes you into this cluster of levels and it's probably between like five to eight or so levels in each cluster and you have two lives so in the first game you only had one life um, per level but now you have two lives per cluster whether that's five or eight or however many are in it and you basically just kind of do these levels back to back and you probably have to kill maybe like 10 or so enemies in each one to clear it but the game never tells you how many enemies you have to clear you have to kill to clear it, which is kind of, I think kind of keeps you on your toes because it's always like, okay, will this be the next one? Will this be the next one? 
Um, and then in between some of the levels, you have a choice where you can choose between different hacks that stay with you and compound on each other through that level cluster. But as soon as you finish with those five to eight levels, the hacks go away. And the hacks can be anything from, <clears throat> excuse me, can be anything from like start every level with a random gun, uh, more melee damage, jump on enemies to kill them, like ricocheting bullets, um, if you throw an item at a at anything, it will explode upon contact. Um, start every level with a katana. It's just kind of like, you know, just kind of like a, I don't know, a, a smattering of different um, upgrades you can do. So sometimes it works really well because you can get, say, if you, like, choose the start every, if it presents you with, like, the start every level with a random gun, there's also, like, a... Um, every gun has more ammo one, so if you kind of compound those on top of each other, it can make things a lot easier because you start with a gun and then you have more bullets per gun. Um, but that's kind of, like, all there is to it. There's, like, a handful of new enemy types. Like, in the original one, the enemies are all completely these, like, red figures, but there are some new enemies in the level where there's certain parts of their body that are red, and you have to attack that part to harm them like it'll be a single arm or a single leg or sometimes it's the torso um there is a new enemy type that at first i was really frustrated by but ended up appreciating over time where it kind of has these like jagged like horn things coming out of its body and when you kill that enemy it like explodes into like 20 bullets just like fly out of its body when you kill it so you have to like i would almost have to treat it sort of like a cover shooter where i would kind of like have to be next to a wall and like shoot a gun and then like kind of like slowly go behind the wall because when the bullets explode when it dies they can hurt you too so you have to be very careful but they can also hurt the other enemies in the level so you can kind of use it as sort of like a grenade of sorts if you can get positioned well um but i mean that's kind of the long and short of it like it's more super hot um if you're into roguelites this might be your thing I really liked it at first, but the more I played it, the more I kind of got tired of it because there's not really any story, there's not really any narrative. Um, and the first game had this really interesting kind of fourth wall breaking story about like you yourself were sort of like the main character of the story. And you play this game, you're chatting with a friend over the interwebs, and then like you kind of get new versions of the game and you kind of come to find out that the game is sort of like controlling you over time by sort of like hacking through mm. your computer into you which i loved i know not everybody was on board with that storyline but i really 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 loved it because like they laid it on like a little thick but it wasn't too thick it was like just enough and plus the game's like two hours long so they can't go super overboard with a story in two hours in my opinion um but this one is just more levels like it ultimately to me feels like it could have just been an add-on like it should have kind of been there the whole time like it feels just like an add-on arcade mode to the story and i mean if all you want is to shoot red figures and super hot then that's probably good enough for you but i just found myself kind of getting tired of it the more i played it which is really disappointing because i love super hot super hot is like one of my favorite things on the planet and then i played this and i just kind of got tired of it which that makes me sad that is so frustrating to hear just because as I was hearing you talk about it, like all I wanted out of Super Hot, like this new final release, was some sort of like story. <laughs> like I liked, like you just said, like I liked that kind of breaking the fourth wall meta in the beginning. Uh, and now if this is like a full final release, like on my PS4, I was on the fence with whether I should get it or not. But you just talking about it makes me not want to get it because I did. <laughs> 
I don't want more levels. I want like a reason to be doing these really cool mechanics. And I'll, I'll sound maybe I'm, I'm wrong here, but I feel like some other developer will take like this mechanic and maybe put it into a story because it is an amazing mechanic. But I don't know about how about you, Brad? Would you want just more levels or, or are you like me where you like needed some story to want to play it again? Well, I actually did play this. I did manage to um, get some time in with it. I um, I did not care for it, though. I really liked the original Super Hot a lot. I'm pretty much on the same page as mm -hmm. you guys. I think it was really innovative and great and fresh and exciting. Um, and I was super excited to get into this one. Just, I mean, just like Corey said, like, you know, he loves Super Hot. He wants more. I felt the exact same way. But when I played it, uh, I definitely think the story was missing. So even though Super Hot's original story wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, you know, Shakespeare, but I still felt like it was good <laughs> enough to keep me going. Um, but also the thing that I that I disliked about this was actually the roguelike aspect. Now, something that you didn't really touch on, Corey, but I'm going to bring up right here is that I, I am like Mr. Roguelike. You guys know that I play like yes. basically every single roguelike that comes out. I love roguelikes. It's one of my favorite genres if they're done well. And this one, I was like, OK, that sounds amazing. But once I played it, what happens was when you start a level... It's like the game has these pre-rendered chunks of levels that they string together for you. So, like, it'll be like, oh, at first I'm in a pool hall, and then you clear that, and then it takes you to, like, an alley, and then you clear that, and it takes you to, like, a kitchen or whatever. But then you'll, like, go back to the alley, and you're like, shit, I just played this a second ago. Why am I doing it again? And you clear that, and it'll be, like, back to the pool hall. And it's like, dude, I mean, maybe the enemies will be a little bit different, and maybe the configurations of what's in those levels gets different as you get further on, because I didn't play it, but... I think I played it for maybe like an hour or maybe, maybe, yeah, about like an hour. And just, I saw the same chunks of levels over and over and over. And I'm like, I got really intensely bored. And it just really kind of showed me like one of the key, or perhaps I should say low key best elements of the original Super Hot is that you just like went through it so fast and you didn't really ever repeat yourself. And the mechanics built up so quickly. It was just like, boom, 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 crescendo, yeah. boom, done. And you're out. There was, like, no time to ever get bored with anything. But with this one, like, within the same hour, I was doing, like, the same chunks of levels so many times. I was like, fuck, I do not want to do this goddamn pool hall one more time. I don't want to see this kitchen one more time. And I just I just really cooled me off, like, su like super, <laughs> super hard. Super, super cooled you off. Super cooled. Super cooled me off. And I just I lost interest, like, so fast. And it just – that's, I think, maybe something the original doesn't get credit for, how it's all killer, no filler, zero fat. And then you come to something like this where you're like – just doing the same room two or three times, and I was like, I'm done with this game. Like, I don't want to play it anymore. I can, I can, uh, I'm gonna be um, the the voice of, I don't know what it is. Uh, like, I'm gonna defend the developer. Maybe I'll call it like um, some sort of thing on the show. De Carlos defends the developer. Um, just because I'm, you know, working at a game developer, I do my own games now. But is, I, I'm guessing is that they got in over their head with like the fact that they didn't expect as many people to like the first one, maybe. And now they're like feeling, you know, beholden to create this bigger, bigger experience. And I don't think, I mean, certain games are just special for that moment, you know, like a really cool indie game makes sense. I mean, like Meat Boy, um, that's an exception because it, it seemed like I think they made another uh, like expansion or something like that. And it did OK. But I think that lots of times that initial thing that you've built maybe shouldn't be like expanded upon. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, catching lightning in a bottle is really tough, and they really like they nailed it the first time. And right. I mean, it's like making I, more I, lightning, I, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like you want to capitalize, you want to keep that going, but I mean, I don't. I mean, 
kind of like what you said in your review, Corey, which I've read because I'm the editor and it's not posted yet. But, you know, sometimes there's just not much else to add to it and you come back to it. And there's, I mean, what else do you got to say, you know? Right. Well, yeah, pretty disappointing. Corey, any final thoughts on this? Um, I just keep like on the just quickly before we move on on the topic of like, you know, lightning in a bottle and all that stuff. I just keep wondering, like, like, what are they going to do next? Because they've done super hot. It was like literally perfect they did super hot vr which i think was also literally perfect and for people that don't know super hot vr is a separate game from super hot it's not like the same levels but in vr it has its own thing going on also perfect and then like this time around it's like okay like how many times can we do this but like at a certain point they're i mean hopefully gonna have to abandon this idea entirely and do something else and i keep wondering like what is the thing they're going to do because there have been a lot of developers that have done, I don't know, something that's pretty like groundbreaking and then like maybe have moved on to something else. And then you wonder, like I'm thinking sort of like maybe like papers, please. And then a return of Obra Dinn, which I didn't like Obra Dinn, but I gave it a fair shake and I understand why people like it. But I just keep wondering like, what's the thing they're going to do next? Cause they can't do the slow motion thing forever. Like they have to do something else. And I just, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm not a developer. I'm not, like, in their, like, you know, I don't know, the brainchild of whatever's going on. But I just hope that they do something else really, really cool. And I wish them the best, and I still love the games. I just think that Super Hot feels like, or Mind Control Delete, it just, like, it, to, to take four years to get here and just literally feel like an arcade expansion pack, it's just, like, yeah. it's just not enough. It's not enough for me. I think well, you know they're working. They're working on the next concept, and instead of uh, time moving when you move, it's maybe time stops when you stop. Oh, I think they're boy. working. They're workshopping that right now, and they're trying to get. <laughs> I that knew together. something like that was coming, and I knew it was not going <laughs> to end well, and it didn't end it, well. It's not good. I admit that's not good. It's probably why it's, nothing else has come from these guys. So. <laughs> no, but I will. I will say this last thing in closing for the Carlos de, uh, defends the devs again, and it's not really defending because we're not attacking. We, like Corey said, he is has love for these guys and everybody who's working over there um is i just think that you you spend a long time working on an engine or you work on assets and you work on you know gameplay systems and then you have all that and instead of like using it again you're like well let's just make something all all together new it's just a lot more time you know what i mean absolutely true but that's like the beauty of creation you know it takes a lot of work to build something it's real easy to tear something down so to make something out of nothing is is tough and they did it great the first time. I mean, I, I'm sure they want to avoid the sophomore slump, and they did with Super Hot VR. But you know, maybe it's just time to like you know, you cashed in, you you made this little thing. That's cool. I don't think we're hating on it, but I don't think it's like the next big thing for these guys. So maybe maybe next time they'll move on to something completely different, and we'll see see what else they got cooking. All right, that is Super Hot Mind Control Delete. It's on PC. I know it's on Xbox One. I'm not sure where else it's at, but you it's can on find PS4. It. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Thank you very much. Thank you, Corey. Carlos, let's go over to you. One of I guess. One of the final big games for the PS4, one of the final swan songs. People thought that uh, The Last of Us 2 was going to maybe be the last big game for PS4, but then here comes Ghost of Tsushima from Sucker Punch. I haven't played it yet. Corey, have you played it at all? I haven't, and I suspect I probably won't. Okay, okay, that's fair. Maybe uh, something Carlos uh, will say. We'll either swing you one way or the other. But Carlos, you have played Ghost of Tsushima, and you are going to tell us all about it. Tell us 
about this ghost and what's up in Tsushima. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about it, and then we'll uh, revisit it on the podcast when I finish it, because I will finish it, because it is great, in my humble opinion, and I think... Um, I think you should try it, Corey. I don't know, Corey. Did you like? Infamous? I'm I'm open to being persuaded. Just okay. FYI, like I'm not. Do you like Infamous Second like Son at all? I played it. it. Infamous Second Son, I think, is the only one I played all of, and I thought it was fine. <laughs> Shit, that glowing review. Yes, Carlos, I did play it, and it was okay. Yeah, um, it was better than it me. Was I thought it sucked. I hated it. So what did you really, Brad? We've yeah, never it was terrible. It was it was terrible. We, I'm off the podcast. This is my last episode. <laughs> One episode, 190, is the last episode I'll do for Soviet Eagles. Just so you know. Uh, I'll give you this review. Actually, you know what? This whole podcast, I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm just going to give this review, and then I'm going to leave. <laughs> That's how mad I Good am. Good thing I'm here this Oh, week. man. Yeah, okay. Corey, you pick up the slack. I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> Brad's totally incorrect. Okay. Besides that, garbage answer. Um, uh, Ghost of Tsushima is from Sucker Punch. It is a beautiful world where you play as a samurai. Essentially, your whole group, village, samurai, like uh, people, essentially, and society and little culture has been upended by the Mongols. And they have come in and just weighed lace to your whole life and killed everybody and played cheap, by the way. They don't even play fair, at least it's how they told in this game. I don't know about in the real history of things, but... They were just terrible, and they just, you know, slaughtered a bunch of people, and you're left to pick up the pieces and go after, uh, you know, basically taking back towns and rescuing people and trying to right wrongs after this huge, like, you know, devastation by the Mongols. Um, so you play as Jin, and you are basically um, a samurai, but you have to, like many video games, learn, again, a bunch of skills, get better at all the different kind of sword techniques, uh, special moves and abilities and it plays like an open world game like a, a horizon zero dawn a, a beautiful landscape that you go in similar to a far cry game you're taking over little towns that have been taken over you're reclaiming them and you're doing little fun adventures along the way that's the like a very simple way to explain it but what it really is it's just a beautiful you've heard this probably on the internet one of the most beautiful games I've ever played, probably, especially on the PS4, hands down. One of the most beautiful things I've seen. The lighting is done perfect. It's a beautiful world to exist in. Nothing gets boring because you just want to see the next area. <laughs> and, you know, they do the day-night cycle and weather and stuff. So I swear every little section of that map feels, like, really interesting to look at. Um, and, of course, there's an amazing photo mode as well. So that's part one. It's a great world to exist in, and I want to go back to it right now. And I might after this review because Brad gave me a garbage answer about Infamous. But uh, but so that's the first part. The second part is it's just really fun to play. Like the combat is kind of like Sekiro with easier because you know me and hard games, Brad Gallery. I do not not a fan of the neos of the world, but um. But I, I do like this because this is a mixture. You cannot button mash in this game. This is not a, you know, like Infamous Second Son or something where you're just sh shooting a bunch of fire or electricity out of your hands. This is like, you've got to be smart with your sword. There's many stances. There's many techniques. There's parrying. There's a great dodge roll. You know how much I love the dodge roll. You are Mr. Dodge Roll. That's true. That's <laughs> literally my middle name. And you have to upgrade it. And you have to get the upgraded dodge roll. But once you do, it's, it's really, really good. 
And yeah, you're just really smart about each. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What is your initial dodge roll? Do you just kind of flop over? And like, what happens when you get the nice. better dodge roll? Do you uh, just actually, you fall you, and duck? Um, what do you do? Yeah, let me think. What's the first one? It isn't good. It's not a. It's like, oh, I forgot what it was. It's obviously. Not is it memorable. like when a goat gets scared and it just seizes <laughs> up and falls over? It falls over. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that is uh, that's in the reviews. I think I read it all over the internet. It's weird because your first dodge roll is just you just freezing in place. <laughs> Not very effective. Terrible no, you get stabbed a lot during that one. Um, it wasn't memorable, so it wasn't very good. And that, then once you get the double dodge or whatever, it's like you hit the circle button twice, then you can actually roll out of the way. But what's actually more effective is a circle box button combo that you also have to upgrade. And once you get that one, that's a dodge parry essentially where you're not parrying with your weapon so not a parry but a dodge move to the side what are those comparable moves is does souls games have those where you kind of move to the side of the enemy oh sure yeah you just kind of like like a dodge swipe or you know you're something like you 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 duck out of the way to avoid their move and then as you are moving past them you have some kind of sword attack that like gets them as you're as you're passing by yeah so that's the best almost the best one in this game like that feels even better than my roll because the roll like really sends you far away from the enemy and then you're like you know have to get back to them so i've been using that so yeah i think the simplest version of the combat is there's archers who are vicious you want to take them out as soon as possible they're like they really hurt they um have perfect accuracy and they but they can be taken out in two hits Right, so you gotta you gotta watch out for them. There's big broody guys that take a lot of hits, um, and you have to be smart about how you dodge them. There's people, with, there's guys with shields, and so you have to like switch your stance to take out the shield first. Um, and there's a lot of tells, like a lot of the enemies will do tells, and when you see the tell, either a visual one or an audible one, then you can change what you're gonna do or roll the way. So it's it's I feel like it's got you know things that you like about Sekiro in it. Where like you've got to be smart and plan out your attacks, but I don't feel like overwhelmed and like dying a million times. So, yeah, so the combat's great like that. I think it's a great mixture. The world's really really fun, and it's just a beautiful thing to look at. I mean, that's the short I a, version. I have a couple questions. Um, you, I get what you're describing, Corey. Do you want to jump in with any questions, or should I go ahead? <clears throat> um, I I will just ask really quickly. Um. Carlos, if your middle name is Dodge Roll, does that mean your name is Carlos Dodge Roll Della? Oh, <laughs> that's good. Man, there these puns are stinking. This episode, this is a this is a bad episode. I think this is. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think we had one episode that was called the Puncast, or we I wanted to call it the Puncast. So there's not as many puns yet, but that could change. But they're bad. We're making up like maybe not maybe not quantity but oh, we we're making but up for the poor quality poor quality okay got it um so no Corey is your is my answer <laughs> brad um, i'm sorry i took the floor from you no that. i that was that was a shot absolutely <laughs> worth taking i know i like i shot. like how Corey like doubled down and he's like you know what? i do have a question <laughs> i do and it's this all right in, in all seriousness though uh I'm gonna be calling you Carlos Roldella for like from now on. That's like gonna stick. Wait, isn't it doubled? What did I call it? It's, did it? it's Carlos Dodge Roldella. Dodge Roldella. <laughs> I'll take it. Oh my god. Okay, seriously though, seriously. So I get the combat. I'm sure it's probably uh, comparable to something like you said, like Sekiro or Neo or something like that. I get that. But in terms of the world, like I know it's beautiful, and I see like a billion screenshots on Twitter, and it, it does look gorgeous. But are you just? Is it just like just open world? Are you conquering camps? Are you climbing towers and filling in parts of your map? Like, is there a side quest? Like, I just I don't have a good sense of like exactly what you're doing in this world. 
Yeah, let me go into that a little bit more. Um, I kind of alluded to that you're doing, you know, you can take over or like kind of retake over the camps. Uh, there's a lot of camps. The, the Mongols are all over the place and they're trying to, you know, essentially just take over this whole area. The map is massive, by the way. I'm just in one section and there's a whole other like area. Uh, it looks massive. So there's all these little villages that you try to reclaim. So there's those side missions. There's really cool little side missions where you have to follow foxes around. And if you see a fox, he's a he's in a fox den, and he makes a an adorable fox sound, by the way. And you follow him, and he leads you to a fox statue, and then you get like an upgrade for doing that. And then there's uh, birds in the world that if you see them, like a colorful bird, you follow the bird, and that leads you to another upgrade spot. So those are there. And then on top of that, there's big big story missions, and there's multiple ones of those. So there's essentially like a story mission that will be like nine parts almost like episodes in that way. And you do those little parts and each time you do it, you know, you'll probably upgrade or you'll find out more about the world. And essentially what you're trying to do is recruit people because at some point you're going to try to like take back your land properly. Right. And defeat some King, etc. Uh, so, you know, those little story missions are something you're also doing and they really are fun. And then there's even other missions for just special moves where like you don't have to get them ever. But one's called like Heavenly Strike, and if you get it, it like you know is a um, what's it called unblockable strike, and it's a difficult mission though, right? Like so, I went in there thinking like it'd just be smart and dodge roll, Carlos dodge roll, but um, I couldn't, and I just died a bunch, and I was like, oh, so that's kind of like a, you know how we talk about it in this podcast like a gated area, sure, gated by difficulty. Yeah, so there's a couple gated areas that are like special quests that I feel like you have to be like super leveled up for. So does that explain it on how many different things is going on? I mean, it sounds fine. Is it basically just like Far Cry, but you're a samurai instead of a dude with a gun? Okay, hold on. I'm off the show again. You, you just did exactly what Corey did. You're like, okay, that sounds fine. I like exhaustively said like all these really cool missions and foxes and birds and there's special weapons. You go, eh, that sounds okay. Well, so let me. It's so a let samurai me, um, with infamous. I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to like talk it down or anything. I just like. I just don't get a real sense. I've watched a couple videos, um, and usually the videos are just like the sword guy slashing people, and that looks cool. But I just don't get a sense of like what you're, are you just like literally like walking to a, a camp, and then there's a bunch of guys to fight, so you do some sword fighting. Like, is the sword fighting like basically the extent of the game, or is there more to it than just like slashing a million dudes? Because I just don't see anything else going on, and I don't know like is is that what I should expect? Should I expect twenty hours of like me just like sword fighting a million dudes, or is oh. there is there more to it than that? I have two things to say. One, isn't every game just the same mechanic? We were just talking about Super Hot. It's like literally one mechanic. But like Horizon Zero Dawn, I love that game. I'm never going to say I don't like that game. But you basically just hit a bunch of dinosaurs with things, you know, electric right. dinosaurs. So I think that's like reductive to the point that we could do that with every video game. Secondly, no, not really, because a lot of it is like you're riding a horse around. You're exploring areas. You're going through a lot of story. I mean, there's a ton of story in this game. It's ridiculous. Like I was like just following this one quest and learned all about, um, yeah, just a ton of stuff about the characters. And we did some combat where we also like explored, you know, shrines and these like these, um, what are they called? The springs, like hot springs. Um, anyway, so I, I think no, to you, no is the answer. I mean, the main mechanic, yes, is, is hitting people with swords, but it, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like a really cool world to exist in and i'll say this um two of the coolest things that i experienced in it 
and was very helpful for right now because uh, it's just chaotic world that we live in. One, there are hot springs, and if you go to them, certain ones, you actually level up your uh, max health. But also, you get to sit in a hot springs for a while, and it like has it asks you a question like, "What do you want to reflect on?" And you actually reflect on something. And what's really interesting is it asked me if I want to reflect on my dad. And that's really close to home for me right now. So I did. And it was just a cool, quiet moment. And then there's other areas in the maps where you just go and meditate. And when you meditate, you create a haiku. And what you're doing is you're looking around the map, like at woods or water or something. And you have the choice on what things to pick to add to the haiku. So say you look at the woods, it says like the wind moves through the trees. And then it picks another scene and okay, uh, the water ripples or whatever. And then it makes a haiku out of that. And that whole time you're just sitting there in front of your TV, like just relaxing. So, okay. Okay. I yeah. mean, I, I certainly don't mean to be like uh, reductive or insulting to the game at all. I just honestly haven't seen anything but the sword slashing. And I, I heard about the haiku, but I thought that was a joke. I didn't know that was the oh. people being serious about that. Yeah, no, but... I'm, I'm, I'm heated just because it's, I, it's one of my favorite experiences right now. Like I, I think that more people should give it a chance if they think it's just sword fighting. I guess it is, but Again, there's so many games that are just one mechanic, but I think this world is so fun to exist in and is actually really relaxing to exist in, too. I mean, <clears throat> riding a horse around these environments is just awesome. Cool. Well, I mean, and, and, to, and to further clarify, I don't want to beat this into the ground. We can get off uh, of this topic in just one second. I mean, and just to be clear, like, I, I realize that they're sort of fighting stuff, but, like, take, for example, like, like Tomb Raider, right? Like, you do jumping and shooting but there's also like puzzles and there's also like survival elements and so i was kind of thinking or like similar to the witcher right like yeah there's sword fighting but there's also like crafting there's also quests where you just talk there's also quests where you're just exploring and i didn't i wasn't seeing any of that in the in the clips that i was seeing of tsushima i was just seeing the the cool admittedly very cool sword fighting so i just didn't know if that's what it was or if there's you know like you said the moments the haiku the 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 hot springs is there, are there puzzles or anything else other than that? Or it's kind of like a not just combat focused game, you're saying? I guess. I, I guess I, I was originally just jokingly being like defending it for no reason. But um, yeah, I would say if I'm being serious, I think a lot of it's sword play. There's some investigation work, you know, like Witcher. Remember, Witcher would be like, I'm going to look over here. Oh, this is what would happen. Roach, get over here. Look at like it. finding clues and putting yeah, things together. Yeah. Do, you have, do you have samurai vision in this game? No. Oh, wait. Yeah, you do. You have some sort of like that, like hearing vision, you know, like um, it's like special ears and you can like sense people. Every game has that, you know. Sure, sure. sure. Hit touchpad and you can see whatever. But anyways, um, yeah, there's like those little investigations. But of course, they're going to lead to battle. Um, there's some that I just rescued people. Uh, a lot of them is more like a stealth because you can't just go on guns blazing all the time. If you, okay, go to, okay. if you go to a camp and there's there's actual prisoners there, if you just go on gun blazing, they kill the prisoners. So you're like, okay, maybe so don't stealth. do that. Okay, excellent. Okay. Yeah. So I, again, I, I think there's a lot more than just that part of it. But um, yeah, it's one of my favorite experiences this year so far. Uh, at the end of the year here, I'm I'm really excited to finish it. Excellent. I am good on this. Corey, any final questions? I actually do have some questions about this. Um, about I'm sorry name. to drag this segment out, but. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> but I so I've heard like because I was like kind of like somewhat interested in this whenever I kind of like you know seeing previews and stuff about it but whenever like the review embargo went up like a week or so before the game came out I, I heard a lot of um, people on Twitter just kind of saying like 
like yeah like it's really pretty and like the combat's good but ultimately it feels like like the sort of like open worldness of the game feels very dated and very just kind of like all right you go like grand theft auto e like you go to this part on the map you get a mission you go to this part on the map you do the mission you go back to this part you get this mission and then there's like random side quests all over the place so that's my first thing i just want like input on that and then my second thing when you talk about stealth because i was thinking about stealth like the whole time you were talking about this is it the kind of game where when you get to say like a story mission or kind of like a bigger um scene does the game like actively give you the choice to like kind of proceed however you want in the mission or is it more like grand theft auto where it like puts a leash around your neck and it just kind of like yanks you along and makes you do like the certain number of things like go to this room attack these guys go to this room sneak in go to this room attack these guys like oh yeah do you have a lot of freedom of choice or is it you kind of have to play by the rules of whatever situation you're given yeah, it's the freedom of choice. It's it's similar to what uh, Brad was saying with Far Cry. I mean, you know, you you can go into an area and 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 handle like how you want to handle it. There's also like I just remembered, um, like uh, you can go under the under the buildings, you know, with that kind of first person view. So there's that kind of stealth to it as well. I didn't expect that to be in the game. It's really interesting. So you can like hide underneath the buildings or underneath sheds or something and have a first person view and then pop out. So yeah, you can kind of handle it any way you want. Real quick to that idea of choice, I forgot. As you're going through the game, there are like a couple like choices Jin gets to make when it comes to dialogue. So there's a couple of dialogue choices as well. Um, and also when it comes to how you deal with enemies, um, this is why I, I should probably wait and do the full review, but there's a, it, it, it's evolving with so much stuff that's in this game. There's smoke bombs. And so Corey, you might like that when it comes to stealth, like you can throw a smoke bomb and go in for like just auto you know, kills like some sort of like, um, you know, uh, hidden attacks. And then there's like these tar bombs. So they explode and you can kind of plan it out. So it hits one person and it knocks him back and they explode. So there's a lot of like little side kind of uh, maneuvers you can do as well. So, yeah, I think you can you can tackle it the way you want. But to your first point, I think that's kind of like what my um, not frustration, but what my uh, adamants adamancy I can't say words is that like all video games are like that right now. Like I feel like I'm waiting for, and along with you guys want the evolution of the open world game, man, oh man, do I want it? Like, you know how much I love open world games on this podcast. So I do get frustrated where it's like, go to area a and then get this and then you're upgraded and then go to next area. So yes, it's like that. But I say in defense of the game, I don't see many other games like breaking that mold right now. So maybe someone needs to come in and do it right. Because I love Tomb Raider, but that shit is the same fucking thing that I've played 12,000 times. But I played the shit out of the newest Tomb Raider. So, yes, but also I'm okay with it. All right. Well, thank you for going into that. We didn't mean to, uh, to like, grill you or anything like that. But <laughs> no, I've been I grilled, mean, I... and I like you. <laughs> a well-seasoned, too. Very tasty, I must admit. That's why I call um, me Carlos yeah, Dodge Rodella. I'm glad you, I'm glad you filled in some of that stuff because I didn't know about the stealth and I was I was genuinely curious like whether it was do whatever you want as in Far Cry or like you like you were saying Corey like a you're on a leash GTA it just I just see people posting pictures of like cherry blossoms and sunsets and like I just am not hearing a lot about actually playing the game which is kind of where I was coming from so well no I, disrespect to the game intended or to the developers or anything I just I just genuinely didn't know no yeah yeah and I I didn't wasn't really gonna go into the full thing I was just gonna do like a quick preview but now. We, we got into some of the systems, so that's good for people listening. But I will say this, now that we're talking about it, and this is the last thing, 
is that there are even things like exploding barrels, flaming arrows, and uh, bees nests and stuff like that, where you can like, you know, shoot a bees nest and freak everybody out. And, and oh, it's also there's bears. I just remember there's like bears and wildlife. There's just like so many other little systems going on. It's a fucking cool game. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Carlos. Uh, it's actually coming my way from Gamefly. It hasn't arrived yet, but I do have it here. I may dip into it uh, soon. I'm actually like in the very last level of Neo, and I want to finish that. And I don't know that I want to go from one samurai game to the next. Oh, so I may yeah. pause for a while, hmm. but I'm definitely going to give it a shot. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, let me uh, let me switch gears a little bit. I'm going to put you both to sleep with my next game, uh, so you guys can feel free to check Twitter or whatever you want to do. All right. I'm going <laughs> um, to talk about uh, a new, well, not a, a new old turn-based, uh, team-based strategy, kind of in the XCOM mold, called Warhammer 40,000 Mechanicus, uh, obviously set in the Warhammer 40K universe, uh, which I'm actually kind of a fan of. I don't play the tabletop game, but I like the aesthetics of it. I like the concepts of it. So every time a new uh, a 40k game 40k game, whoa, that's a different podcast. Uh, 40k game comes out. I always want to check them out. Some of them are pretty bad, but this is actually one of the rare ones that is actually wonderful. Uh, very great use of the license and very great game on its own. Uh, so, not to get too in the weeds here, but this game is all about the tech priests in the 40k universe. They're these dudes who worship technology. They replace parts of their body with like metal tentacles and claws and guns and stuff and when you look at them they look almost like they're robots or they're they're not very human they may be humanoid in shape but they look like cyborgs or something uh and these guys are your team you go to this planet that's full of these enemies i'm not going to get a story because it doesn't really matter that much uh but you get there and the team-based tactics when you look at it it looks like something like XCOM. you got a team of guys kind of a top-down view the map is divided into squares i mean it's going to look very similar to almost any other game in this genre so that's not really the selling point the selling point is when you dig into the details of it uh this game is actually really brilliant i think it's just genius um Number one, I think it's genius because they actually do use the 40k license very well. They get into the lore of the tech priest. They write the characters pretty well. It's all very in tune with what you would expect. So if you're a fan of the license, this is great. The people who make this game obviously understand the license very clearly, and they use That's that good. well. But so Which is great. I mean, which is great. But the thing that I like about it is they've done so many interesting things with the mechanics. It may look like an XCOM, but it doesn't feel like XCOM at all. Um, the biggest thing that they've done is they have limited how many turns you can take by making every action in the game cost a resource. It's called cognition. And so you only have a limited source of this and it does not replenish. So on the map, there are these little spots all around the map. They're like, you know, like a computer screen or like a little data bank or something. Those things will like spawn cognition. So if let's say, for example, you go into a map, you've got you start the map fresh with six cognition points that's split between everybody on your team. So you might have four guys in your team. You've only got six points to split between everybody. So you got to be very judicious, judicious from the start about I've got a laser gun. I can fire this gun. It's really powerful, but it's going to take three cognition points. And if I use that on this first turn, there's going to be like three other dudes who may not have enough cognition to do anything. So you've got to be very careful about the shots that you take. But you can try to get that cognition back by going to those places on the map. Or you can uh, send out a little helper drone that you have, and it'll bring the cognition back to you. If you do that, it's on a cooldown. If, you're, if your character walks there, it is every round with no cooldown. I know I'm getting really into detail here, and I'm sorry this is kind of confusing. I'm probably pretty dull. But when you're actually playing, it's actually really brilliant because it forces you to use positioning in a way that I, I don't think I've ever used positioning in any other tactical strategy game. Because it often boils down to the choice of, 
okay, I'm going to need like three cognition points on the next turn. I don't have enough. Do I take one of my characters and walk him to the cognition area to get more? But if I do that, I'm down one man in the place where I need to be fighting. Is it worth the trade-off for me to recharge my cognition? Or should I stick together? But if I stick together and have safety in numbers, I may not have enough cognition to do the things that I need to do, and I'll be stuck without doing any moves. So it's often this like balance between... Do I split up? Do I stick together? If I send one guy over there, am I going to be strong enough on this other place where I need to be strong? Am I not going to be? What? Wait, what's the uh, story uh, reason behind that? Um, that you, I don't need those, know if, you need that stuff, you know what I mean? I don't know that there is a story justification for it. I think that they... Like, cognition in the Warhammer 40k universe is like computing power, and these guys are cyborgs. But I don't know that it necessarily ties in Okay, choose, just like cause. the actual tabletop. I think they just made it up just because it makes for an interesting game. I don't okay, know that okay. it's narratively important like that, but but it, in gameplay, it's actually really fascinating because there's also some enemies that can steal your cognition, and you just you're constantly like doing these like moment to moment balances of like, oh, I want to do this, but I can't do this, and I got to save this for the next round, and I want to shoot this guy, but if I do this now, I'm not going to be able to attack this other guy, and this other guy is more important to attack because he's more dangerous, and so like every level, you're constantly just push and pull back and forth, really balancing it. And as you go through, um, you can also obviously upgrade your guys. Like, there's really cool skill trees that let you change the way your character looks. Every time you get an upgrade, it like they look more and more like Cyborg as the game goes on. So, like, at the beginning, they look like they're dudes in robes. And then you get, you get, like, a metal claw on your shoulder. You get, like, a little energy pack on your back. You get, like, tentacles on your leg or something. And you look like a monster by the end of it. And it's pretty cool. Like, you look... You look like you were actually getting like much tougher. Like you look way more imposing as the game goes on. And as you master the cognition system, there are ways to game it. So like, for example, you can upgrade yourself with a certain like tentacle. And if you hit somebody with this tentacle, it'll give you like plus one cognition. So you can attack a guy, you're out of cognition, but then this tentacle has a free attack. You hit them with the tentacle, you get one cognition back. It lets you do one more attack. And so if you keep building on those skills and learn how to chain them together, you can have one guy do like four or five or six turns in a row because you keep like getting the cognition back after you spend it and it's like this really intricate detailed system of like managing this resource which mm -hmm. ties into like the turn-based strategy where and where you stand on the map is really important uh, how you relate to the enemies in terms of positioning is really important i know this is really sounds really dull and dry but like no it doesn't you're actually you want, getting me into this game so oh okay okay yeah. well, well good good because i find this thing to be really fascinating i think that what they've done makes it feel unlike any other turn-based strategy that I've done. It doesn't feel like XCOM. It doesn't feel like any of those other games that are in the genre. Like, it feels like its own thing. And it's such an interesting system that, like, you're really weak at the start, but if you keep, you know, mastering the cognition systems, like, you're totally, like, steamrolling dudes at the end, but in a good way. Like, it feels like you've earned it. Oh, and that's by the time what we you start, love. We love that. Yeah, you start kicking ass, and you're like, yes, this feels amazing because I suffered so much, and I took all these lumps, and I struggled, and now that I've learned how to do this, I'm, like, kicking ass, and it feels great. So I, I think it's wonderful. Brad, I, um, I have a question. I have a question. Yeah, yeah. Before I get excited, because you know me, I get my hopes up when, I, when we talk about games sometimes, and sometimes I shouldn't. But uh, you originally told me that I would not like this game because I'm a, a person who likes tactical games, but lots of times, if they're too difficult, like a Souls game or like the game that you love, what's it, um, Desperados. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know mm -hmm. that I wouldn't like that, and I think you're right. Now, will I like this? Because I like all the things you're saying, and I like the mechanic. And by the way, I love when the games show you your upgrades on your character. I love I that, too. love yes. that. And what you just said about being better at the end because you worked on it i love that too tell me the reason why i should or shouldn't play this then based on what Dude, i don't like difficult i just 
I, I have a hard time imagining it that you would like Leslie. How do you feel about like the recent XCOM? Like do you like, like it? I like XCOM. Like I just feel like okay, so uh, by the way, I grew up in the beginning of like early XCOM, fun side story. There was an XCOM game for email. Do you guys know about that? Oh my god, email, no. Yeah, it wasn't I don't think it was XCOM or maybe it was. Listeners tell me if it wasn't XCOM, but there's a game just like XCOM back in the day, and it was you sent moves through email. So you do your move on the map, <laughs> and then you would email the person the like map, like the whole map, and then they had the game on their system, and then they would see your moves. I've um, heard of stuff like that, not with XCOM, but I have heard of other games like that. That was that was back in I never did any of those. That was in no. 1832. That game came out, and I was there for some reason. But the point is, I did love that man. I played uh, another throwback that no one knows about: Pools of Radiance, the old AD and D games. They called them the Gold Box games. Those games are 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 D and D, you know, RPGs that were tactical. So I love those. I really love those. So I feel like at some point, games again had this whole get good mentality that I hate, where it, it made it like like uber hard was like really fun to do. So that's what I'm saying, Brad. I, I love that genre. I just feel like so many times it goes super hard. Man, I don't know, dude. I something in my gut is telling me that you're not gonna like this. But if what you our hearing is is turning you on i mean maybe give it a chance because honestly i play a lot of these turn-based uh, strategy is one of my favorite genres and like dude i love this one i just think it's so interesting and cool and different and it feels so rewarding when you finally start mastering it and you you know you can mix and match the bits on your guys and you can like give them different skills and like you can plan out your whole squad and each guy can like take a different role and support each other and when that when you start chaining like five and six and seven moves in a row you're just like yes i fucking rocked yeah. all you motherfuckers and it's because i'm smart and i'm good and i'm a good person and it made me feel really good to do that so i like i like those feelings in games um what about difficulty I, I was, level if you got if you pick a one through ten for desperados uh, one through ten for this right like maybe that'll help okay so like desperados i feel is like a nine or a ten that's pretty hard it is yeah uh in terms of this i would probably put it more of like uh Probably like a, in the beginning, more like a, like an eight. But as you go on, probably more like a five. Like it gets a lot easier because Ooh, you learn the system. That excites me. I like <laughs> that answer. Eight uh, to I five. I love it. I have a little bit more to say, but Corey, okay. I want to touch base with you. You probably are like zero interested in this, right? Uh, for some reason, and I know this is probably like not true at all. The only thing I can think about the entire time you're talking about this game it's like Mega Man Battle Network. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so it's like Mega Man Battle Network? Like, in my mind, knowing that it's probably nothing like that, but I, because I don't play games like this, so I don't know. Like, I know what XCOM is, but I've never played it, so I just... Oh, wow, yeah, you've never tried is... the recent XCOM ever? No, I think I've, like, watched someone play it, but I've never... I just don't think it would be my jam, so I haven't actually played it before. All right. That's yeah. I don't think you've ever brought one of these to the show. I don't think you've ever played any of these in all the episodes we've done. So that I I don't see you having anything to get into here. But anyway, uh, that's fine. We all have different tastes. You know, horses for courses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I will say one more thing before I get off of this. Um, one other way that this game is actually it's like ninety percent cool and ten percent super fucking not cool is that. <laughs> Is that you? It's it's a story reason. I'm not going to get into it because it doesn't really matter. But you're on a timer in t in terms of the whole game. It doesn't rush you through the the turns. I mean, you take as long as you want to to make your turn. You can play a mission for as long as you want to. It's fine. But there's this timing element where the longer you take on a mission, the harder the enemies get, and it never gets like super overwhelming. 
but like you're you're noticing that it's getting harder right and as you keep going through the missions you're on this global timer where you have a countdown like it starts at zero and when it gets to a hundred you have to fight the final boss and like everything else stops like the final boss wakes up from his slumber and you must go fight the final boss it doesn't matter how ready you are it doesn't matter what you haven't done it doesn't matter where you're at if you get to a hundred on the global global countdown timer you're fighting the boss and the game is over so in a way it's cool because you cannot do every mission you often have four or five or six different missions to pick they tell you the rewards you pick the one that you think is going to be most useful to you you go do that mission and then the clock advances by like five points or something like that so you're only going to be ultimately able to do like i don't know like you know if you're really fast and the, the timer doesn't go too quick you can do maybe like 40 missions if you're really slow you're going to only be able to get to do like 30 missions or whatever and when it gets to 100 you're fighting the boss so i get it's kind of cool because it gives you a little bit of pressure that most games like this don't ordinarily have um, kind of analogous to how in XCOM the aliens are like slowly taking over the world in this game the boss is slowly waking up and so you're kind of playing beat the clock a little bit um, but I gotta say I I really like playing this game like a lot and when I beat the last boss I'm like cool good battle happy fine 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 I thought I was going to be able to go back in and just like do cleanup on the missions that were left over and it's like no you're done and I'm like <laughs> fuck I want to go back and do the other missions and you can't so that's my one bummer about this game is that it was so fun that I wanted more which I almost never say, but in order to get more, I would have had to start a new game, which I'm totally not going to do. So just be aware that like it's a finite experience and you just can't farm it forever, you know, which might be kind of cool. I'm sure if it was a lesser game, I would have been fine with that, but I like this one so much. I really wanted to do every single mission and I was a little bit bummed that I couldn't. So that's hey. my one. So my one downside. Hey, Brad. Hey, Brad. Yes. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> timer. Hey, timer. Gotcha. Timer. I'm out. I'm out. Uh, <laughs> Done. All right, Th that's fair. I, I, something in my tummy was telling me that you were not going to like this one. So the timer did it. I, I can't, I can't deal with those timers. I hate those timers. I'm out. Okay, By the way, before good, we leave, good. before we leave strategy real quick, I was just looking up strategy games. Shadow Tactics. I never played it. Did you play it? Shadow Tactics. That's was like almost. one of Brad's favorite games. Yeah, it's one of my favorite okay. Games, dude. Oh wait, no. You of course you told me about it. And it's probably in the podcast. Never mind. I just feel like I was looking it up and. Um, and it had all these like really cool artwork, and I don't remember thinking. I don't think I've ever even seen the artwork. So, yeah, it's beautiful. Shadow Tactics is amazing. It was almost my game of the year. The game it came out, and it is the precursor to Desperados. And if Desperados is a ten, oh. Shadow Tactics is a fourteen. Wow. Okay. It's so it's <laughs> difficult, so I won't play it. But anyways, it looks cool. It is a very cool game. Let's get off of Warhammer 40k Mechanicus. That is a, an unequivocal recommendation to any of you listeners who like strategy, turn-based strategy, XCOM pretty fucking dope i had a great time with this game and if you like warhammer 40k even better let's move on um i'm gonna do a quick switch in the order of things because i want to save Corey's last big game for the end we're gonna finish strong on that carlos let's go back to you you on the script put down mystery switch game you do bring the mystery games pretty often i have no idea what this is let's go back to you sir what is your mystery switch game well spoiler i didn't like it um, that's fine yeah I mean, you know, we do talk about a lot of Switch games, and a lot of them we might not like. Um, I've also, you know, I don't know, Corey, if you've been listening, but I've come to the dark side, and Brad has brought me over, and I, I you know, I say a lot of games are garbage nowadays. And, uh, and I <laughs> It feels not, good, doesn't it? doesn't eh, feel very liberating. Not really. It still, it still feels wrong in my stomach. But, uh, <laughs> but this is what I'll say. I'll say I'm going to do it again right now, and it's frustrating because the look of this game uh, is what drew me in, and I like platformers, and I'm actually – currently working on a platformer which i'll talk about uh more than the review of this game 
because this game is called Retro Vamp. And if you saw it in the um, Switch store, it's basically, it looks like one of those, you know, where the edges of the screen look like a television. What do you call that? The edges of your screen look like a television? You know, when like, I, when, like, you... like a monitor, oh. you know? Oh, like a CRT display sort of a yeah, thing? Yeah, kind of like that. Well, like It's like a little flickery and stuff, and they're trying to be like retro because it's like on a retro TV, I guess, or it's like a retro Atari game or something. So that's kind of like the aesthetic. It's this kind of, yeah, like in television Atari type game that looks, you know, the corners of the screen are kind of blurry and weird, and it looks like a television. So, okay, gotcha. Old school, sure. Okay. Old school, and it looks beautiful. I mean, like, I love that kind of aesthetic and stuff. And so all it is is you're a square, which many of these games do, and you just have to be a plat- you have to platform levels and um, and you're a square and that's it. And the idea is that similar to like again many other difficult games y- you know you have to make it up uh, go up uh, towards you know up on these platforms and wall like wall jump as well and like get to a destination at the top or to the top side or whatever. Basically just like figuring out a puzzle by platforming and just you know finding how to get to the place uh, by by, you, by jumping around with this little square. The problem, and no, I didn't play more than the first board because of this problem, which is they built in difficulty because they made the mechanics shit. They basically made it like... <laughs> I didn't play more quote. than the first board because this game is shit. <laughs> well, what they did is on purpose, here's what they did. I know they did it because I'm make i making a platform just like this. Uh, they made the jump, like the gravity of the jump super strong so as soon as you jump you know oh, what i mean like sucks. you get That's pulled terrible. down right the minute yeah. they did that i'm out like that why you're doing that to so oh i fell off the platform because i didn't know how to you know judge the shit gravity and then they give you double <laughs> jump but it doesn't matter because you still fucking fall super fast uh so i died like a million times just trying to get up like seven platforms um and then they introduced the wall mechanic and that's hilarious because, again, you're jumping on the wall. You're bouncing against your left, right, like, you know, wall jumping. It's difficult to start with. And then they add that gravity element, and you're, like, fucking flying all over the place. So fuck that game. And their idea of difficulty is based on the control of your character. It's that's, a terrible ugh, idea. That's a bad place. What? Tell me the name of this game again. Retro Vamp. And kudos to you all for, like, the really cool style. Just all they needed to do, I'm literally working on it right now. Turn off the gravity. Don't make it, like, what it's probably on, like, 3,000 or something insane. Just make the gravity less. And the then this game might be over fun. Over 3,000. What was that? Even over 9,000. Sounds, that sounds way too much. 3,000 gravity well, is too much. You know what's much. funny? Okay, not to get in the weeds, but I, I program in this game engine called Construct. And about 1,500 gravity is actually kind of normal-ish. So that's what I was going off of. Like 3,000 is like still too much. But um, anyway, zero doesn't mean no gravity in some game engines. <sighs> Anyways, I'm working on a game called The Robot Is You, uh, and I'll talk about it later. But it just inspired me to work on my game. So I promptly deleted the game and started working on mine. Wow, that is, I mean, I guess that's uh, whatever gets you motivated to work on your game, I guess. It inspired me. It's funny you bring this up. Just a really quick side note. I played a game on the Switch recently called Jump King, where you jump. I mean, that's the entire game, but the gravity was also <laughs> fucked. Like, the controls were really stiff. The gravity was, again, over 3,000. It was over 3,000. And 3, I, 
way over 3,000. It must have been at least 4,000 gravity. And I'm like, dude, I played this game. <laughs> and I just was like, the only thing you're doing is jumping. Why does your jumping feel like fucking trash? And right. I just like, I deleted it like after maybe like four minutes because I'm like, this is terrible and I'm not going to put up with this shit. So developers, <laughs> if you're going to make a game that only does one thing, please do that one thing well. <laughs> Don't do your, oh, by the way, the name of the podcast is definitely over 3,000. Over 3,000. Um, so write that down because you don't remember anything for the notes, right? Over 3,000. But um, I think that, yeah, I think that that is definitely like, there's been many games where I played it for like 13 seconds because I could feel it right away. You go, oh, I see what you're doing. You're, you're trying to fuck me by making the jump yeah. absolutely garbage. <laughs> that is that is the purview. Corey, I'm going to ask you to do you uh, you're you are uh, not a spring chicken. I mean, we're not all old guys, but I think we've all been around the block. Do you also get that feeling in your bones? You just immediately know when a game is going to be bullshit and you know about does that happen to you? Uh, I mean, I think so i feel like these days i'm trying to get a lot better at like only playing games that i think i will like but if i like say download something that's really really cheap on steam or on the switch or something i mean i wish i had like a time limit like a record time of like i played this game for you know 42 seconds and that's the (laughs) fastest i've put a game down um but i mean i have my limits like i usually i just have to figure out like what like, what the game is, like, especially if I don't know going in, because sometimes I'll be like, oh, well, I think it's this kind of game. Then you just have to, like, figure out what it is. And usually, I mean, it's more of, like, a like a type of game. Like, I won't understand what the game is, and then I'll play it, and I'll be like, oh, it's, like, this kind of game. And then I'm, I just know it's not really up my alley. But I feel like it's pretty rare if, I, if it's, like, a very specific mechanic. Like, oh, the jumping. You know, like, the jumping feels too heavy. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it has never happened before, um, cause I know there's been a couple games, um, there's a game called Black the Fall that came out a couple years ago and it looks very similar to like Limbo. Yeah, and I remember I, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember playing that and I remember like looking, I didn't read any reviews cause I'm a dumb bitch and I remember like buying it cause it was on sale and like thinking like, oh, it, like looking at the images and being like, oh, it looks like Limbo, it looks really cool, it's just kind of like authoritarian, like silhouette 2d platformer and i remember that being similar where i played it for probably like 20 minutes and i was like no i just don't think this is gonna work for me and then brad i don't want to like talk shit but i remember there was a game you recommended to me it, it's a zombie side scroller by tequila works oh yeah yeah, yeah. i uh, i know exactly what you're like talking about deadlight totally... or something deadlight, oh, yeah, deadlight. deadlight yeah. i like deadlight that game actually too yeah i did not like that game and i remember jumping being part of it i remember like trying to climb and jump on things in that game and just like feeling very unnimble like feeling <laughs> like you know you're this kind of like actiony dude with like his gun or whatever and then just like trying to jump and climb things and i was just like man this feels super just super heavy and that was i mean that wasn't the only reason i didn't play that game a lot but i played that for maybe like an hour maybe 45 minutes and then i was like this just isn't mechanically like smooth enough for me so i mean those are the only two ones i can think of off the top of my head yeah i think oh, that's that that's, that's, that's it, it's actually making me feel good about like you know when, when i finished um not to self-promote myself again but this game you can't even play it anymore so i'm not promoting anything but i made one game called that gold is mine and the n- number one thing I got back from the feedback was that they, they liked the mechanics of the jumping. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, I think that might be my special skill is like, cause that can take a game a long way is like having fun with the controls. So 
if something feels good, you're like halfway there, but you got to make it feel like fun to play. Like in that feeling in your hands is very important. And I just don't get it when people put out a game and it just maybe it feels good to them. But I mean, if you play test your game, I mean, like with Jump King or with this game, you're talking about Retro Vamp or whatever. They must have known it feels like shit and they must have done it on purpose for some reason. They like, did. is it supposed to be like a, a massacre platform? Yeah. Or something, yeah. Which, well, it's ugh, supposed to be like, no you thanks. know, like, oh, fuck you. You can't do it. You know, that, that right. kind of style. Yeah. Yeah. Reminds me of when I get PR releases from people and they're like, this game is super fucking hard. And I go, delete, because I just don't give a shit anymore. So PR people, don't tell me your game is super fucking hard. It is what's not that, a bullet point for me. What's that one with the cat where it's like literally impossible? It's like Mario Brothers, but it's a cat. Uh, I know what you're talking about, but I do not know. What it's and they're called. like, and they're like, you like walk one area and like the whole like, you know, f- uh, floor just falls away and you're like, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, fuck those games, dude. Fuck those I mean, games. I, yeah, we don't live forever. We cannot play bullshit games like that. Okay, that is Retro Vamp. Is that right? Retro Vamp? Yeah, maybe. You don't need to remember it. It could be. Who cares? Maybe. Whatever. Fuck that game. All right, cool. I'm going to go back to me, and then, Corey, we're going to finish with you at the end here. Uh, just a quick mention of a game called Rain Swept. This is a really interesting one for me. Uh, I got a PC code for this, like, I feel like last year, at least last year. I didn't play it because it's on PC, and I very rarely play anything on pc um but i had a lot of people tell me at the time that it was worth my time they're like oh this is a brad game you should play this like make make time on the pc get a chair whatever uh and play this i'm like okay cool and so i saved the code um and i just held on to it and i kept putting it off and putting it off putting it off putting it off and i mean literally more than at least a year maybe two years even i don't remember exactly it's a darksburg (laughs) and kind of yes except for i wasn't on the hook for a review of this people just wanted Uh, me to try it so i i I'm, I'm looking at it in my list. I keep it on the list and I see it on my list. And then finally, lo and behold, like two weeks ago, I get in a PR email saying, hey, guess what's coming to Switch? Rain swept. And oh I'm like, nice. God. I waited it out. I didn't have to play it on PC. I waited two <laughs> I years and I could play it on the Switch. Because I thought you did a PC game. Nope. <laughs> not at all. I'm playing it on the Switch and I'm happy that I waited. I was fine to wait two years to get to play this game. So, <laughs> so I win. I win that particular battle. Um, what this game is, is a 2D, I, I, I want to say it's like a detective game, but it's not really a detective game. It looks like one. It looks like you're going to be finding clues and it looks like you're going to be solving crimes, but it's kind of like a narrative game and you're spending a lot of time with your main character who is a detective. He's very idiosyncratic. In fact, he reminds me a lot of the detective from the Deadly Premonition games. I don't know if either one of mm-hmm. you guys have played Deadly Premonition. Corey? Yeah. No, you probably haven't, huh? I played it for like an hour and stopped because I thought it was stupid. Yeah, yeah, it's a very specific sort of thing. I thought it was great, but I easily understand why that game is not for everybody. But the main character in both games, sorry, is a detective. I, I, no, That's no we, we have to do a tangent real quick. Fuck everybody who has like muscle cars. Fuck them all. Okay, Carlos said it. <laughs> Carlos Dodge Roll said it. It's happened three times this episode. I've not wanted to bring it up. Well, we're bringing it up right now. <laughs> Fuck you. People like doing drag racing right outside your door or something? This is a regular road in a small village. They get their fancy cars, and they think that somehow it makes them feel like or look cool. It makes you look like a fucking douchebag. Stop it. <laughs> stop buying fancy cars or stop buying muscle cars and then roaring them down the street. Oh, by the way, of a village, like a small village. Fuck you guys. Okay, sorry. I had to acknowledge I, I, it. I guess I'm a little bit. Con- we got. I guess we got to just double tangent on that because you said you live in a village, and I'm like, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? I live. I live in uh, a small town. It's not. It's like one street or two streets big, and yet for some reason, I can hear him coming back, guys. 
uh, there's like these, you know, fancy muscle cars that every once in a while just drive down the street really loud. But I mean, like you said, village, and that to me is something that you don't really hear a lot. Like when I hear village, I think of like dirt roads and grass huts, and there's like well, we all have wild weird animals masks in the background. On. Yeah, we I have mean, masks. Is that what it's just like we only live by candles. Candlelight, <laughs> animal are, fat that you rendered you rendered your own tallow and stuff. I mean, there's a, also a smoke monster, and we don't go into the woods after 9 p.m. <laughs> um, so yes, that is my life. But there's also muscle cars. Here, he's coming back, guys. Here he comes. I can hear him. Good lord, I apologize to the podcast. That's and fine. That's fine. All right, moving on. So this detective in Rainswept, uh, very idiosyncratic guy. He's got obviously some inner demons. He comes to this real small town to investigate a apparent murder slash suicide of a husband and wife. He gets to the town and this is a, a 2d. Um, I want to say it looks like, like worse than flash animation, I guess, if anybody remembers what flash animation looked like, it just, it looks like kind of like paper cardboard cutouts, but not in a cute, charming way. It just kind of looks not great. The animation is just really not good. The graphics are, I think maybe going for like um, quirky or indie and they just, don't look great um so that was kind of a put off uh, to me but you get to this town and it turns out that this husband and wife murder slash suicide potentially they didn't know anybody in the town and the whole town kind of saw them as like these outcasts and so you're kind of figuring out what was really the story why were these guys not social why did they not know anybody why did everybody in the town think that they were weirdos and so i mean it's kind of a cool premise but i have to say as i'm going through rain swept I just I don't find myself involved in the story like at all. And I'm, I know that it's probably one of the stories where you'll you find these revelations later on. I'm sure there's some big twist or something. But like as I'm talking with the detective or, you know, just talking to people, I just like I'm going through a lot of dialogue that I just find that I just don't really care about. And I'm waiting for something to really grab me. I feel like the gameplay is like you're walking in a 2D town side to side. You're walking places. And a lot of the time the walking feels really boring because nothing's really happening. You can talk to people on the way from point A to point B, but nothing really important ever seems to come up. And I'm just waiting for things to click and I'm waiting for things to happen for me. And I just, I'm just not getting there. Like I just am not really interested in what's happening. A few dream sequences come up and I'm like, okay, clearly this main detective is supposed to be tortured by these dream sequences. I kind of get it, but I just, I still kind of don't care. Um, I just, a lot of people recommended this to me and I guess I feel bad because I expected to like it and I just am not. I just, I'm, it's one of those games where like I get in bed, I fire this up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put in like a half an hour and advance the story a little bit. And then I start getting sleepy because it's not interesting and it's, it's kind of, <laughs> it's not knocking me out. And then I turn it off and I go play something else on the switch for half an hour and then I go to bed. So well, it's that's not, what it's, <clears throat> it's doing that. It's helping you get to sleep. I mean, I guess it is. And in that, in that sense, it's successful, but I don't think that's what the developers are going for. So it seems like I like quirky. I like narrative. I like deadly premonition. I like the idea of being a detective. I like 2D games. I like the switch. I mean, this checks a lot of boxes for me, but I just have like zero interest in the character or the story. And I find it very difficult to play a narrative heavy game when I do not care about the narrative, because then it feels like you're just scrolling text. And that feels not like a good feeling to me. Um, Corey, have you played this at all by any chance? I haven't. I was actually hoping that you would be like, yes, this is the greatest thing I've ever played, because I was going to say, well, why don't you slide that PC code over here for me to play it? But it doesn't, I mean, you're not <laughs> selling it very well right now, uh, so uh, I don't, because I, it sounds like it could be up my alley, because, you know, I like narrative games, I like investigative games, I'm fine with 2D. While you were talking about it, I was looking up screenshots on my phone of it just to see what it looks like, and 
I mean, yeah, the art style kind of looks like sort of like South Parky to me in a yeah, weird way. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. But I mean, if you, I don't know, like what you're saying isn't really selling me on it, so I don't know if I would be into it. Carlos, did you mention that you played this game? No, I don't think I did. Okay, I thought for some reason you might have come across this game at some point in the past. I know you do a lot of indie stuff, a lot of smaller stuff. Um, okay, well, I guess that's it. I mean, I don't really have a lot else to add about Rainswept, except I just, I know it's a short experience. It's probably like five or six hours, and I just, I'm, I'm really struggling, you guys. I just, I find it very difficult to motivate myself to keep putting time into it because I feel like it's just really dull and not grabbing me. So I feel a little bit embarrassed to say that I'm probably not going to finish it, even though it's such a short game, but I just, I just don't want to like not enjoy my game time, I guess. Yeah. And so, so yeah, years, I mean, thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's the ironic part, right? I had this code this whole time, and I waited, and I felt so happy it was coming to Switch, and I played it. I'm like, damn, I waited two years for this? Like, this was... I mean, props it's... to everybody who recommended it. I appreciate the recommendation, but yeah, this one just did not click. Uh, to its credit, I do like the art style, actually. I like those tall kind of bodies and like the little... I just like I like that style myself, but... Um, it yeah. looks worse in motion, trust me. Oh, okay. <laughs> the animation is oh, not God. good. Okay. That is rain swept. Kind of a miss for me. Um, if anybody out there really likes it, I would love to know why, I guess. Is there some really cool revelation? Maybe there's something for me to look forward to. Maybe I could power my way through it. But right now, I feel like there's no, no light at the end of this tunnel. So we're going to move on. Final game of the show. We're going to finish big. This is super liminal. We are going to start off with you, Corey, in just a second. This is a narrative i don't know indie puzzle game uh reminds me a little bit of portal it's got some really interesting mechanics that i'll let you describe but one of the most fascinating things about this game is that it was actually created by a former game critics writer and i didn't even know this until i started <laughs> talking about it on twitter and i'm glad i didn't talk shit about it on twitter because i would have been really embarrassed <laughs> uh but it was actually created by uh, christopher floyd who used to write for us at game critics great guy uh, he was with us for a short time uh, before he moved on to bigger and better things. He eventually went to work for the um, indie booth that goes to all the PAXs. He's done some other things. He was on the Forbes 30 under 30, so definitely a mover and a shaker. Uh, he's, he's going places, man. Christopher Floyd is a guy that's making it happen. And I had no idea this was his game. I started talking about it on Twitter, and he's like, thanks. And I'm like, thanks for what? He's like, that's my game. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I literally had no fucking idea. So that's really cool. Um, so full disclosure, Christopher Floyd used to write for us a couple years ago. He has not been with us for a while because he's been making things happen in the real world. But kudos to you, Chris. Uh, very proud of you because I take full credit for everything you've done since you left Grand Critics. Uh, and now I will turn it over to you, Corey. Why don't you tell us what the hell is Superliminal? I would love to. So I've had my eye on this game since it launched. It came out on PC in November of 2019. So... Sometimes there's like a year or two turnaround to get games from PC to consoles, but this was actually a pretty quick turnaround. It was like half a year, give or take. Um, it just launched on uh, Xbox One, PS4, and on Switch as well on July 7th. So it's only been out for a couple of weeks on consoles, but it's been out for PC. Right now it's on the Epic Games Store. It's not on Steam, but apparently it's coming to Steam soon. Now that the Epic Games Store has like become a thing... I get annoyed when games are on it and not on Steam. And I know, like, that's fine because, like, competition and stuff is great. But you just, like, at a certain point expect all of the games on computer to be on Steam. And then suddenly when one isn't, I just, like, it sets, like, my entire balance of life off motion. Um, 
So, I mean, it would be like if you like went to download a game on your iPhone and it like wasn't on the App Store. Like, I know there's no other App Store on your phone, but like that's how I think about PCs. I'm like, oh, it's Steam. It's for PC, of course. But then suddenly it's like, here comes the Epic Game Store, like shaking things up. But it's coming to Steam soon. So if you're a Steam person, I don't think they have a release date for it, but it'll be here at some point for it, hopefully. Um, this is, I've had my on it for a while. This is a. First person, um, everything you said is correct, Brad. First person narrative kind of puzzle exploration game. Um, seemed very up my alley. I was hoping it would be up my alley. And I actually finished it last night. I've yeah. played it. Good um, timing. Yeah, uh, very good timing. Because it's kind of one of those games where you the pacing, you kind of like aren't sure like where you're at in the story. And so last night when I finished it, like, I, I mean, I'm not going to say I was, like, happy to finish it because I would have gladly played a little bit more of it. But I was like, oh, awesome. Like, it's over. I can, like, really talk about this now. Um, so um, it is a first-person game where you play as a person who is sort of, like, stuck in this – he's in, like, an – or he or she, because I think, like, you yourself are kind of, like, the protagonist um, – are sort of like in this um, research center that researches sort of like dreams and subconscious, you know, stuff like that and the psyche. And the game sort of presents itself as you're in this kind of like retro-ish looking institution. You wake up uh, every day, you turn your alarm clock off, and that's sort of how like every chapter begins. But as you um, explore the... Um, I guess, like, areas? I'm trying to be a little bit vague here. Um, you discovered that, like, you might still be sleeping, and maybe you're sort of navigating these spaces in your mind while you're sleeping in dreams or in lucid dreams. They kind of talk about that sometimes in the game. Um, and, I mean, you're right on, Brad, when you talk about Portal, because this game, like... And this is probably my least favorite thing about it, is that, like, it really... It's like they have a checklist of everything that Portal did, and they're like, all right, let's check that off, let's check this off, let's check that off, and they, like, basically kind of run through, like, a lot of the same motions that Portal did, which, I mean, on one hand, like, Portal came out a long time ago, like, I'm still in that mindset where I'm like, oh, yeah, Portal's been out for, like, three years, but it's really been, like, <laughs> ten plus years. Well, Portal you know, 2, it, when was Portal 2 out? Uh, like, 2011, I think, and Holy Portal shit. was 2007. Yeah, yeah right? So, true, like... Yeah. Yeah, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, Portal, it's been out for, like, a couple years, right? But it's been out for, like, a really long time. But it still feels, because Portal is, like, another, like, perfect game. Like, it's so well done, and it reminds me, you know, a lot of Super Hot. It's compact. It's it, it was really kind of innovative at the time, and a lot of games, you know, sort of took the ideas that they did and did other things with them and whatnot. Um, but Superliminal kind of feels like it's going by, you know, the, the checkbox of of portal but i mean i guess if you're gonna like take um you know inspiration from a game like why not choose the best one in the genre and that's yeah, kind of yeah. exactly what they did can so i, can I can't I really add, knock them for can that can i add one yeah thing, Corey, and then for say sure, that yeah. i think it's also like stanley parable i never played that oh, so okay. i don't know yeah for anybody yeah. who's played stanley parable to me and i'll talk about it after you're done but i also beat the game and uh, i feel like those two like a cross between portal and stanley parable yeah, it's like take take from the best things and uh, and like you know it's like an homage in a way, right? Yeah, it really is. But the nice thing about it is that it doesn't. It really brings its own flavor to the table, and the flavor that it brings. And I should have. I can't believe I've been talking about this game for like five minutes and haven't mentioned this. Is that kind of the big thing about the game? Its puzzle element is that 
it has it does a lot of these like visual um like i don't know what it's called but it's like a visual perspective puzzle thing where for example if you're walking around um you can pick up a lot of items in the in the um in the environments and so like one of the big ones is like a chess piece that's kind of like the what the game is sold on like what's on the title screen like you pick up a chess piece and like depending on how close you are to it when you pick it up and how much like space it takes up on the screen in front of you when you're holding it when you put it back down suddenly that item is like 10 times bigger than it was before and you can do that in reverse too like if you walk really far away from it and pick it up then suddenly it's like a small item in front of you so sometimes you'll pick up a cube and you have to like drop it in a way to where it'll take up more space in the area so you can climb on top of it and you can use it you know almost like a ladder like to jump up somewhere um and there's also moments where like there'll be sort of like a graffiti of say like a chess piece on a wall and you have to stand in a certain way to make all of like the shapes of it line up because it'll be kind of painted over like different like rafters and stuff and like whenever you make them line up it'll appear and like literally fall out of like what the painting is and it does a lot of that perspective stuff or sometimes you'll think a doorway is a doorway and you'll like begin walking up to it and then suddenly it's not a doorway it's like a perspective painting like those big huge like sidewalk paintings where you have to stand in a very specific place to look at them in order for them to look like they're this big 3d painting like it does a lot of stuff like that and i really really like all of that stuff it's doing um I really dig this game. I don't want to give too much of the story stuff away, so I'm not really going to talk about it, but it's kind of like a series of, you know, where Portal did, like, the test chambers, this game does sort of, like, you wake up every day or think you're waking up every day, and you're kind of proceeding through different areas of this institution, and it's just, like, a series of kind of rooms where, you know, sometimes you have to move objects around, sometimes you have to stand in a certain spot, sometimes you're just exploring, and there's even a chapter that has some, like, almost like survival horror like thriller elements to it which i wasn't expecting but i super loved um but it's mostly really lighthearted. the music is really nice it's really kind of meditative and it kind of like picks your brain in a certain way or at least for me that a lot of games don't like almost in a way where like like the room games which i love that debuted on iphone um i love the room games it's kind of like that where you're just kind of picking apart these puzzles but i like the exploration element of it i like that it's a first person game so you're moving around and that you're always sort of like challenged to look at things from a different perspective or you know pick up items and put them down in a different way to like move through rooms and stuff like that and i um and i just i i feel like like 90 percent of the time i was playing this game i was just like sitting in front of my tv with this like the dumbest grin across my face <laughs> because every time they would hit you with some new like visual element or new perspective thing. I would just like let out this like oh, sound and like I would have a huge grin and I would look really stupid. But it just kind of keeps like building upon that stuff throughout the game. And I mean, it like occasionally reuses some similar concepts throughout the game, but it to me felt pretty fresh as I was going through. And it's always it's kind of a game where like nothing is as it seems. Like you might walk into a room and think it's one thing, but really it's a different thing. And I just really liked this game. And now I'm gonna shut up so you can talk about it, Carlos. <laughs> oh man, no, you said everything that I'm thinking. Um, and I also got that same kind of grin because you go, and we're not gonna give any of it away because you have to experience it for yourself. But yeah, you walk into a room and you go, oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, I, oh, this is cool. Oh wait, but I don't understand how you would. 
oh, you do this. And that, that <laughs> kind of discovery at moments is, is awesome in any game, right? I think, um, yeah, it's part puzzle, but it's also what's unique about this game is that perspective. You know, the whole, like you said, it's the game is about perspective. There's, this is just not a spoiler, but I think I want to um, implore people finish the game. I also finished it and I didn't know really, really when it was going to be. And when it did happen, I was so happy, like how it wrapped up. And I feel like it's just really important, especially right now in this time uh, <laughs> with, the, with the world um, for people to play this game, because I think the message at the end is actually really smart and needed um, in the planet. So, and it actually inspired me too, like, you know, people who make games, like, you know, you can change the world. You can, you know, people who make movies, make an album, whatever you're doing, uh, if it's if it really, like resonates with someone, it's beyond the fact that it's an art form. It's like something that you can actually say something about stuff. So yeah, I love the mechanics. I love the you described it perfectly. There was one that was really really like I thought it was. I had to do it one way, and I spent like 30, 40 minutes, and I was like, <laughs> wait, is it this hard? And it wasn't that hard. I was just an idiot. And yeah, I, that happened to me on a couple occasions too. <laughs> was it the, was it the door thing with the two doors? Yes. <laughs> Damn it, those doors. Okay, people, when you play it, you'll realize what we're talking about. There's Are you two talking, doors. You're talking about the, the keyhole part, right? Well, so the, the two doors, you know, there was like really, really far up in the top. You had to put like something. Yeah. There was like a, like a, like a yeah, was it a keyhole like area to mm. get through? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yep. that part. Um, that part actually annoyed me a lot because I, I don't know if this happened to you when you played it, but I think my least favorite thing about this game is that Sometimes it kind of feels like it's held together by like rubber bands. So the game actually completely locked up on me like three or four times when I played it. And I got stuck in the environment of the world like three times oh. and had to just reload my checkpoint. And that was really irritating. And on that part specifically, not only did it take me fucking forever to figure it out because I'm a dumbass, but when I tried to figure it out, I got stuck three times in the environment and had to reload my save every time, which was really discouraging. Okay, we, we, I want to dig into that for a second because people who play the game, this is not a spoiler, but this is actually will help you. And I wanted to talk about this because when it was happening, I was like, am I breaking the game right now? <laughs> because you know what his genius is, he built this really interesting engine that allows for weird perspective changes and doesn't not allow for things to happen that could be bad. So one of the things that I did, and let's see if this is what you did, Brad, just bear with us for a minute, um, is I made something small. Like you make things small or big, right? So I made something small, like a doorway, let's say. And I made it the doorway so small that when I came out of the doorway, I was miniature, but <laughs> so small that it took me like five minutes to, to walk, like walk like, across the room. <laughs> not even a room. Like I just, just get to the edge. And then when I got to this thing, I fell down and I was like, I was like a flea. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I had to restart the level because I was like, I'm not gonna get anywhere. Uh, so that was an interesting bug. Um, but even with that, what a great game, what a great experience. And you said it too, the music is so good. Like a lot of it just feels like classical music or like jazzy trip hoppy stuff, um, but it all fits. It's all meditative. It messes with the idea of dreams. Um, I don't want to say too much more. I think people should just experience this. It's worth the money. Was it 20 bucks or less? I got a review code for it, so I okay. don't know. I think it's 20 bucks or, or less on different platforms. Um, Brad, does this sound like up your alleyway at all? Oh, God. Uh, I go. played this game, actually. Here we go. Oh, he played it, and, he's, and he hated it. I didn't care for it. Yeah, I didn't think uh, it was very good. You're, I'm off the podcast again. 
again again it's like <laughs> ping pong carlos is off he's on he's off he's on i mean oh i mean what you guys are saying is great and I, a lot of people like this game a lot i definitely feel like i'm in the minority on this one and that's totally fine um and and of course no disrespect to chris i mean i think this is a great achievement making a game is wonderful and it's a very clever game in many ways um but it just didn't didn't click with me at all um and to the point where i didn't even finish it because i just i just really was not enjoying my time with it at all um I think, I think the thing that really got me first off was it, I really had a hard time getting past the Portal vibe. And again, you know, I mean, like you said, Portal was probably, what, 18 years ago or something crazy like that? I don't even know how long it was. But it just seemed to be cribbing, like, way too much from Portal. The vibe was too similar. It felt like I was doing the test chambers again. You had, like, the kind of semi-snarky voice again. And I'm like, this feels too much like Portal to me. Like, I get Portal was so instrumental and seminal and really influenced a lot of people. Um, but I just like like nobody else should ever do portal like to do your own thing and don't really do that So not to say that that's exactly what Chris did But I just for me as the player it felt too much like portal um, So that was one thing that really bothered me. The other thing that really got me was I You know, I, we all have different brains, right? So like clearly this was one that clicked with you guys my brain works in a certain way I'm sure there's a lot of games that I play that maybe you guys would not enjoy because I my brain Functions on that level or I get different things out of it when I was playing these puzzles like i i admired how clever they were like the the resizing mechanic is really cool and when you see it in a trailer or something it's really impressive but as i was playing it i just i found most of it to be really irritating like i, I wasn't having fun i was just trying to like get into the mindset of what i should be doing and a lot of the times i was trying to solve things in not the right way um which again i feel like part of it is the way that my brain works which i totally cop to but also i don't think this game does a great job of tutorializing and leaves like almost too much up to the experimentation where to the point of where I felt like I wasn't really like once I mastered a trick, I didn't feel like that trick really helped me with the next puzzle. I didn't feel like my skills were building up like like one thing that portal does really well is like it teaches you the very basic building block of like how to use the portals. And then it like slowly adds like one element. And then once you figure out that element, it adds like one more element. So like by the time that you're like five or six or eight levels deep, You've got a good mastery of like three or four mechanics. So you can string those together to figure out the puzzles. And I'm not saying that this game needs to follow in that template, but the idea of game development where you are teaching a player how to play your game and then slowly walking them through it and then giving them the tools to, to succeed. I don't feel like this game really does that. I feel like it's more about, hey, we're going to drop you into this area. Figure it out. Like, you know, this is a goofy game, so you got to expect something different. Like, think laterally, but figure it out. And I don't feel like there was enough teaching enough tutorializing for my brain i mean yeah. clearly this game works for a lot of people and that's totally cool but for me i was like okay i don't feel like i'm learning anything i figured this out but it didn't help me in the next puzzle yeah and now i'm on this other puzzle i don't feel like anything that i learned is helping me with this next puzzle and it just i didn't like the feeling of like starting from scratch mentally in every single puzzle and trying to just from from square one figuring out what the fuck is going on every time not the kind of thing that i generally enjoy although clearly you guys really liked it a lot yeah, can I jump in there? I think what it is is um, normally I agree with you because we just talked about how I love games that build on your success, um, especially an RPG or you know or an action game uh, where yeah. you're leveling up. I, I because both um, Corey and I finish it, I think we have a different perspective. Near the end, and even at the end, meaning like the last couple hours, even or something, you know, it even changes and adds more mechanics. Um, it's not. It doesn't want to do that. Like I know. I can tell that this game is about dreams and dreams are messed up and they don't make any sense. And I mean, sometimes they do and there's a lot of research around dreams, but they operate in a different setting, right? It's like all of a sudden 
something that's supposed to make sense doesn't make sense all of a sudden. And they do a really great job of minor spoiler. Like one of the mechanics is you pick up something, you know, and they can move it around. Later near the end, they they like reverse that idea, let's just say, in a really messed up way. And that it, it's funny. And it's also, like you said, Brad, not going to make you feel good about like your abilities, but it's not trying to do that. So, right, right. Yeah. In its defense, it's trying to go maybe even the opposite because I feel near the end, um, this is actually a good um, comparison. Remember the thing in control, uh, the level we like? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Right. So there's moments like uh, Corey was alluding to. There's moments that are like that where they're, it kind of like ramps up a little bit. And near the end, I feel like it does that again where it's like, okay, uh, how about just this? And some of those mechanics you remember, but also this new thing. And I, yeah, I just think it's supposed to be like that, which is kind of why I kind of yeah. liked it. I mean, I respect that. And it's certainly a, a choice to be made. And I think it is a choice. Like, I don't think it's, I'm not saying like he doesn't know how to make a game. I mean, I think he intentionally did it that way. It just didn't work for me. Like that yeah, didn't yeah. feel like a good way to do it for me. Um, but clearly a lot of people like it. So that's fine. The other thing that I'll say just real briefly is like, this is a game about dreams or being in a dream state. I felt like the environments were incredibly dull and really boring. And I felt like there was like basically nothing really capitalizes on you being in a dream. Maybe that changes in areas further down the line. Cause again, I didn't finish this game, but you just end up being in like really boring, like office rooms and hallways and a bedroom. And just like, like the environment to me was profoundly boring. And I kept waiting for something really strange or bizarre or dreamy weemy to happen. And if you take the, perspective changes out of it it's an incredibly boring environment so i don't you know maybe it gets better maybe it gets crazier as you get further on but like i was just like i'm really bored at looking at this stuff i think this is really dull i feel like for a game that's about you being in a dream state this is not even remotely unreal or dreamy and it just it bored the piss out of me so i just i noped out of it i didn't i see why people like it i think it's really clever i don't think it's for me um but i get why people think it's good but i will i will i will chime in and say I, this is not a solid recommend for me. Like Portal, I think you could recommend to anybody. For me, I don't think I would recommend this to everybody. I, I think I'd be a little more selective. I think um, I would say, <clears throat> like uh, when we're talking about like the environments being boring and stuff, I would perhaps counter that by saying that like I and I feel like such an asshole saying this because every time I feel like I get mad at somebody for or not mad at somebody but like mad at a game for something, and then they're like oh, well, it's supposed to be like that. Like, that's basically what I'm going to say right now. Like, Because, <laughs> like, the, the heart of the game, like, in the beginning, is that, like, it's kind of rooted in this, like, monotony of, like, you're in this office building, you're in this bedroom, you're kind of going through these, like, very, like, sterile sort of testing type arenas. Exactly, exactly. But then it uses that as, like... A familiarity point like i think a lot about this game as like this is like the closest thing we have to like inception the game as well because like it's like the game uses those monotonous areas as like a totem like you know the top that Cobb has an in inception and then so whenever it starts to like jump off into this like mystical like magical realism place like it uses the mundane as a great like foil for the more fantastical stuff it does because it it keeps you guessing as to like when you're in a like this ordinary place like this hallway or this desk or this reception area you're thinking 
okay, am I back in the real world right now or am I still in the dream? And then, you know, it'll take off into a fantastical area again. So like, I mean, initially, I mean, I'm definitely on board with what you're saying. And I, I fucking hate saying this too, because I feel like my answer to most of the stuff you say, you're saying is just like, oh, well, you just have to play it more, which is something uh, I hate hearing when I don't like a total game. Total internet like, asshole Yeah, response. it's like everything that I hate being told about a game that I don't like, I feel like I'm having to turn around and say it to you now. But, like, I think there's a, there's a reason for sort of the mundane locales at the beginning to really offset how fantastical it becomes later. Um, and I also think that you can only know that by experiencing how, like, it's like, I mean, it's just like a dream. Like, like you don't, you think you're not dreaming because you're in a mundane space and then suddenly like something will push you off the edge or you'll fall through the floor or the ceiling won't be there or something like bananas will happen. And so it like roots itself in that sort of like ordinary place. And then whenever it takes off, it really just kind of cements like, I, I, I mean, like something I love about games is whenever they like fuck with your head and you like don't know what's real and what's not. And that's like 100% this game. Like yeah. you think you're in the reception area. Is it real? Maybe it is. Oh, and then suddenly you walk through them and you're like on a fucking beach or something. And it's like, oh, okay, obviously this isn't real anymore. Or for me, I kept using, Carlos, I don't know if you did this, but the um, the fire alarm switches, I kept oh. using those as totems to make sure I was in the real world or not. And that yeah. was like, I thought a really fascinating twist because I kept like pulling them and seeing what would happen. And yeah, so like, I mean, I hate to say that stuff, Brad, because that's the kind of stuff, if I were in your shoes, I would be mad at me or you for saying that stuff to me. But that's like the only way I can like rationalize some of those critiques. Yeah, I I get it. It it makes sense. I mean, I hear what you're saying and I respect that. But I I think I would counter by just saying that may be true. But for me, it has to be interesting enough to make me want to keep going. And it didn't clear that bar for me. So like I wasn't enjoying the puzzles enough and I wasn't invested in the world enough and I wasn't interested in the story enough. So I, I, I fully believe that it gets cool later on. But I just... I just at my my time of life right now the phase of life I just don't play through boring things to get to a good thing later it's got to be good all the way through well, and well. it didn't clear that for yeah. me it totally didn't clear that bar for I you know. guys if you guys enjoyed it that's awesome but for me I, yeah. I'm like nah I got 10 other games I'd rather be playing than this one let me let me just reiterate that what you just said is is actually the real thing you said you didn't like the the whole concept you know before it even started so no that's not true I didn't say I didn't like the concept I mean I think the concept is really neat and cool like the perspective stuff is interesting well, I, I just I, I just didn't think it's fun to play. Oh, okay. I thought you said like I wasn't down with the thing and I wasn't down with the thing. You were like listing off things you weren't down with before and you're like because of that I, w- I got bored. So no, I no. Think. I thought I think the concept is great. It's very clever and really interesting and in trailers it looks amazing. I just I just I, I wasn't I mean, once I start I, I went it Okay, let me clarify. I went into this game expecting to really like it. I like the idea. I like the trailer, but once I started playing I did not enjoy the puzzles. I was not interested in the story, and I thought the environments were really boring. Okay, so then I just like okay. then I noped out, and I'm like, okay, I don't want to keep playing. So that, that, yeah, that's okay. what I sorry, if, sorry if that was not clear. No, no, no. I, I just heard a list of things. I was like, well, you didn't like a lot of the things. Um, <laughs> but I will say this. Uh, yeah, to, to go back up what Corey said, it, it is that kind of um, – and, 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 and to your point as well, Brad, like, yeah, it is a lot of the same in the beginning. And not even – I wouldn't even say it's like – you got to wait for it to get good. It's not that at all. It's just a perspective. Ooh, interesting. Oh, boy. I, I know. Sorry. There. I didn't mean to. <laughs> but it, it is a perspective of your mindset. Like, going in, I knew that it's going to be – and everybody should play Stanley Parable. It's very similar to that. I would say it's more like Stanley Parable than Portal because Stanley Parable plays with your ideas of what reality is. 
and it really kind of changes your perception. And you're like, it never got ported to any console, which I found to be very strange considering how popular that game was. It's never been on any console, as Holy far as I know. Shit, what is going on, guys? I thought that was for sure going to hit PS4, and I was waiting, and it still is not there. So I guess it's never coming. Oh, it's so good. I know you won't play it on your PC, but anyway. So what that did is what this does is, and again, yes, a lot of the rooms look the same. It's more like. You just got to enjoy the, again, you have to get be into the story, which is this like facility that, you know, has an underlying theme of a dream world kind of around it or something. And you trying to figure out where you're at. So, yeah, I think those, those mundane uh, environments ground it so that the other things feel more, if that makes sense. And there's, there's a perfect example of like, there's a room that there's, there's no doors that work, right? And you're just in a room and you're like, fuck, I'm screwed. And it's like you won't I won't give the answer, but when you see the answer, you're like, holy shit, nothing's real. <laughs> and like it really like makes you think that way more because you just see the regular ass room around you. So yeah. it's, it's funny you guys say that because, I mean, we don't have to keep talking about this. I just want to make one final point. Like I I at never at no point did I ever think that I was in the real world in this game. I thought the entire thing was you being dreamy because like, a lot of the dialogue keep saying you're stuck in this dream we're trying to get you out and so that to me led me to believe i'm constantly in the dream and so i never expected to ever be awake or in the real world so i never was like waiting to know whether which world i was in i was just waiting for like you know the crazier stuff to happen or just whatever so i mean i i think ultimately like we're proving in this in this conversation it just it kind of comes down to taste and i think that you guys definitely clicked with this which makes sense to me and i get why people like it but for me it just did not catch and I just wasn't interested in any aspect of it. So I feel bad that I didn't finish this game, but I just, I just was too bored, man. I could That's not fine. finish it. And, and to your point though, I will say, um, and, uh, and I think maybe Corey feels differently. So maybe this is kind of where we, I side with Brad for a second, but I, I don't Ooh. think I ever felt that I was going to get to the real world. So maybe I agree with you there because it just, everything feels so fantastical. There's some, you know, normal stuff that grounds you. But I kind of, again, we all looked at it in a different way because it's subjectivity. But, like, I looked at the game like, okay, I'm probably dreaming this whole video game. But these regular things help ground me to figure out what I should be doing, right? Like, so there's, like, a, a computer. Well, does that computer give me a clue? Well, maybe I should be trying to look for more doorways. Or there's a soda machine. Should I use that? Because that's a, my real-world thing I would do. But I did always feel like I was kind of in a dream. All right. Well, three different perspectives on a game all about perspective. There we go. Nice little bow on the end of it. And boy, what a show. I am so glad that we had this conversation. Corey, I'm so glad you came back. Carlos, I'm glad that you were here as well. I'm glad that three of us. I love when we get these these rare occasions to have all of our chairs filled and we all get to to talk like this. We should definitely do it more often. What do you say, gentlemen? Yes, we need Absolutely. more 18 hour podcasts. We've been I love 18 hour podcasts. Hours, they were right? so great. I am like way older than I'm when older, we started yeah. this podcast. I, I love it. I had two birthdays. Hairs. My son went to college. It's wonderful. Um, all right, folks. Thank you very much for joining us. This is the show. Uh, as always, send us your questions and comments. So video games podcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at so video games. But you can reach us individually. Uh, Corey, since you are uh, the fresh face this episode, where can people find you? on the social media this week oh my gosh i haven't done this in so long i forgot that we did this um i am on twitter and instagram my username is the same across all platforms it is 
luckily, just my first and last name. No periods, no spaces, no underscores, no nothing. It is just at Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y on Twitter and Instagram. Excellent, excellent. Carlos, uh, where can people locate you? In the village or elsewhere? Yeah, remember, I'm off social media. I'm in a village. We only have candles, and uh, there's a smoke monster, and sometimes muscle cars. Uh, so if you happen to know where that is, you can come visit. It's called Muscle Car Village. Um, <laughs> muscle Car Smoke Monster Village. Muscle yes. car, yeah, I should add. It's Are the smoke signal, signals just the exhaust from the muscle cars yeah, to yeah, get to yeah, the yeah. village? And also, I think he is the monster, because I am going to go defeat him. Um, but no, I'm off social media, which feels great. People should do it. It feels really, really, really fucking great. Um, it's toxic out there right now. So fuck social media for now. Uh, but you can go to YouTube. Every once in a while, I do these little videos now uh, where I comment on comments. It's kind of a little video series I'm trying. Uh, YouTube.com slash a lot of things. That's it. excellent. Excellent. As for me, same as always, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um, if you follow me on one, you're going to get most of what you get on the other. But sometimes you're going to get a little something different in both. Follow me on both if you like. If not, totally up to you. Or don't follow me at all. I'm happy to accept <laughs> you as you are. It's B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And that is going to do it for episode 190. Thank you again for joining us here on the So Many Games podcast. We will be back before you know it in some configuration. Maybe it'll be two of us. Maybe it'll be three of us. Maybe it'll be one of us. Who knows? But in the meantime, uh, Corey, would you like to kick off the farewells? I would love to. Thank you guys again both for having me on. It's always a pleasure to come back to my own podcast. Come back home, Corey. This is your house. Come on now. Yeah, I was glad to come back. It's actually nice because I didn't mention this earlier, but I've been super liminal and super hot. I'm actually formally reviewing both of them for Game Critics, and I haven't reviewed a game for Game Critics since September, and then it was July before that, so it's been a long time. So I like... I feel like I'm doing like a press tour, you know, like when somebody releases a book and like, oh, now I'm doing the podcast. Like I'm just going on the press tour. Right, for, exactly. Yeah, for my for my like, I don't know, a thousand word reviews I'm writing for Game Critics. Got to go on my <laughs> press tour for it. Um, but that's what it feels like. But thanks again, guys, for having me. It's always a pleasure. Um, and until I'm back, I will see you guys later. Excellent. Excellent. You will be back for sure. And for me, this is bye from Brad and... Bye from Carlos Dodge Rodella. I'm dodging out of here. <laughs> Wait, is it Dodge Roll Della? Dodge, Dodge Roll, Roll Della. I like Dodge. I mean, it could be either way. Whatever you want to go. Dodge Rodella is not a good enough. Yes, Dodge Roll. Roll Della. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh boy, this podcast is over. I'm swelling.